0: So what are you doing, movie archives?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Full Metal Jack. We've got limericks here in the studio today. Can't keep Trey from
2: writing. That's right, baby.
1: Now before we get started on this episode, this jumped into the world of war. Go ahead and pop in your DVD, VHS, file, whatever. Turn on your iPod, download the movie, and piss some directors off. Go ahead and press play, and then press pause when the grainy, shitty Warner Brothers logo fades to black. And the first frame that you perceive of all black after that logo fades down, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync, and it'll be like any other commentary, except in this case, you won't like us very much. Now, at the table today, it's myself, Mr. T. Christie, and my buddy Brian William Finifter. Hello. Trey, the amazing Stokes, hey. and guest panelist, Eddie Doty. Hiya. Now, you guys, this is, um, this is clearly a film. Um, there's at least two hours worth of colored pictures and sounds, and it's very vibrant and pretty, and there's all sorts of... Um, Images. Things happen. Yeah. Words. Yeah. The, the yeah. screen flickers, and everyone's sort of dazzled by the flashing colors. Other than that, I don't like this movie. So yep. how about you, Brian? Uh, I'm a Kubrick snob, to be honest. Uh, when I first got into snobbery,
2: Kubrick was my snobbery <laughs> of choice.
3: <laughs> Kubrick was my <laughs> entry to... <board>. My gifts) <laughs>
2: When He's kind I, uh, of a gateway drug for snobbery. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, I, I actually think Kubrick's films are quite striking, and, and yes, I think the mise en scene is quite uh, talented.
1: Kubrick is to marijuana what David Lynch is to crack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'd say David Lynch is more of a
0: heroine If you're going to be gateway of yeah. marijuana, it's
1: more, at
0: least there's like a romanticism to David Lynch. It's not the like, crack. Is I would have said tragic. LSD. Crack is so. the Wayans brothers.
1: <laughs> oh. Crack is. Want to watch White Chicks? No, no, no. Okay, oh, I need more, yeah. more, please. You'll start uh, to want the Williams brothers every day. Oh God, no! So oh. when, you, when you first See, became spoken a spoken like a true snob, snob. yes. When
3: I yeah, first what became are you so a kind of snob? film snobbist. Um And I still love Kubrick. is amazing. He's still, but I, I've definitely adjusted my own viewpoints. And <laughs> I I don't know how I can describe this. Kubrick, well, where Kubrick made this you rate, change. Kubrick made you change
2: the, your attitude about films so, so that you. Where does appreciate this, you know, in the <laughs> echelon of Kubrick <laughs> films for you? You know, I used to hate this kind of movie, but now I realize I like it.
3: Up there, Uh, well, 2001 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Strange Love, I second that. Strange Love, Clockwork Orange is also great, but it's probably below those.
1: So at least your fourth favorite Kubrick film. Yeah, it's
3: probably in the middle of the pack of.
1: Eddie, Eddie Doty, you had some experience in the. uh Armed forces? Didn't you?
0: Uh, yes, I was. Uh, I was in the United States Army. I was a reservist, and I was. People still do that. Yeah, I know. Did back you ever the day,
1: have a like Army type call you a son of a bitch pile of monkey nuts or something?
0: I have many funny drill sergeant stories, which I'm sure I'll be sharing over the course of this. But yeah, I I went to boot camp in 1996. I was 18 years old. I was stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. all my army soldiers <laughs> out there. Um, uh, yeah, and I had a really positive military experience. It was obviously a bit different than Marine Corps boot camp on Paris Island in Vietnam era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it wasn't exactly sort of the nerf experience that I think a lot of modern boot camp is. And that's no disrespect to anybody. It's just things evolve and things change. So I've, I have a, i have have vivid memories of my military experience and therefore certain scenes of this movie kind of tug at my heartstrings a little bit. Cool enough. Yeah. And, and I'm with Brian a little bit. I was, I was kind of a Kubrick snob starting off when I, was like kind of in my early film education. My father, who I'll be talking about throughout this, was a uh, firstly stationed in Vietnam to do two tours out there. He was also a movie reviewer for a uh, army newspaper. How prescient! I exactly. It's kind of <laughs> so. This movie kind of converges a few things for me, uh, and so a few experiences. My father had very distinct opinions about this movie, different from my own, uh, which is interesting. And you know, a for being in the military, b being in Vietnam himself. Uh, but I, I like this movie. I'd say it's in my top five of Kubrick's. Uh, but i don't <laughs> Yeah, no shit of all yeah, 6 of all
2: 70 did i know
0: right it's no true. i mean it's 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 good i i like it a lot i like the first half more than it's the second we'll Salinger Salinger it's my favorite jd Salinger book. it is my top 20 of it three. is my favorite all time favorite debut of Arlie Ermey. uh of
2: all <laughs> yes, time. it's, it's uh, definitely the best uh, Arlie ermy vehicle yeah. Trey, the
1: amazing stokes
2: you know i uh, it's it's not it's not my favorite kubrick film either but like uh, like most kubrick films i i i I certainly respect what he was doing, uh, even if I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> We've talked about this, the idea of Kubrick. Kubrick had a very interesting approach to filmmaking, which is he was not so much in the you know linear story telling mode some of his earlier films were a little more linear you know and, but then when he was able to make whatever he wanted he made some trippy stuff and uh, i like this movie better than say eyes wide shut i don't like it uh, you know but i like 2001 more than this movie i like uh, clockwork orange more than this movie but i like a lot of things in this movie and i and i and i find some of it just eminently fascinating um and i i'm a little bugged i'm a story guy i'm a little bugged that you kind of get to the end you kind of go so that was it but that's that's a kubrick film you know strap in that's what you're going to get so,
1: in that in that being the case, I think we have a an excellent roundup of people for this particular film. And if you think so too, go ahead and grab your remote or mouse. And if you disagree, just go somewhere else. Go listen to some other podcast. <laughs> go watch a Wayne Brothers movie. Down in yeah. front, love it or leave it, man. That's right. With we're less compassion. The <laughs> anyway, here we go. Everybody ready with your mouse or remote? Three, two, one. Unpause.
2: <laughs> that da, 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 right da. Now? now I don't. We're watching the DVD, and as. What seems so weird is the DVD is not widescreen. It's the DVD is, is full screen scan. Um, no, 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 it's, it's not pan and scan. Is wow, it full screen like, or is that's it? An, I can't even believe how Vin, it's here's the deal. Vincent D'Onofrio.
0: Many of these people did not know they were going to get their head shaved like this on camera. This was a surprise to most of these actors. Yeah. They knew they were going to have to get their hair cut at some point. not how
1: expediently they're doing it. The, they're that, that is, like, that that like is no shame. bullshit. It's and Matthew
0: is not happy about this. Welcome to the army. That is no bullshit how quickly they do that. That is exactly how my head was shaved to this day. So something you know, about those blades that keep you, exceptionally sharp. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't snag or anything like that. They uh, got lots of people to go through. Then again, through. But you my can't hair is living those, those You can still get a—it can pinch on you if you have like a mole
1: on your head or something.
0: True, but I mean, for whatever reason, my experience—I didn't have that bad of an experience. I was just more sad that it happened. So it just—it's over so quickly, and you literally watch your hair fall to the ground as this shit is being done to you.
1: <laughs> is there? I'm, I'm assuming it's part of the whole. I don't want to be degrading or something like that, but the hive mentality, the the, the brothers in arms thing where you there start is... to remove personality in a way that was there before. Is that the point?
0: It's, it's, it's a couple of things. There is certainly an element of that. A, from a hygiene standpoint, they don't know how well you would take care of your hair before this. So if you have critters up in there, uh, this very quickly will help at least get rid of that. So there's a there's a hygiene issue at stake. There's also an issue of getting everybody on the same page. Everybody starts off exactly the same. No there's no real expression of individuality. They have to sort of break you down before they build you back up. And speaking of breaking down.
2: <laughs> now um, and that's and that's that's the that's kind of what Kubrick is saying about this is like, you know, this this is the process by which you know, we take regular people off the street and we make them into these people who will go kill other people you know and, and there's a process to that and instead of technology how we do that um and a large part of that technology is mr arlie ermy here now is isn't it the story as i understand it that he was sort of a he was brought on as a consultant he was a consultant yes, but, but because he was a drill sergeant He was and a and real said, life dude you're a drill so sergeant. much he better a drill than, sergeant,
1: but if i understand it correctly yeah. he had also done some acting and kubrick was aware of that and he said can i can i audition for something uh and at one point he said i don't think you're mean enough frankly and he submitted a tape where it's 15 minutes of him having I think it was like plates and tennis balls thrown at him from off camera just giving in like an uninterrupted stream of curse and and nuanced (laughs) nuanced like I've never heard that before. Without repeating himself once, and Kubrick said, "You are genius. You are the, the guy." You're Guess the what, man. I'll hear me? My bad. And this is
0: a very subtle thing. The bullshit I can't hear you sound off. It's it's about if you are soft spoken, they want you to be not. They want yeah. you. To, it's. I mean, a lot of this stuff seems degrading, and and on one level it is, but a lot of it is about empowering. It's about getting this ferocious soldier side of me. you. Yeah, you know, to get you to scream, you have to be this. I mean, if you are going to go to war. You have to not be soft-spoken. Yeah, it's about throwing as much
3: shit at you as possible and demonstrating to you that you can handle it. Right.
1: Sociologically, what's supposed to happen in this? I mean, what is the idea of... Because, you know, I see what you're saying, but it seems to me like it's just a matter of breaking people so they'll do um, what you want them to but it's do. Also,
0: it's also just testing your metal. If you are going to cry, as I saw a dude in my platoon do, from a guy yelling in your face, then what exactly is going to happen when a bullet flies past your okay, head? Okay, but there's a question, but what's
1: the answer? Do they just keep him there, or do they get him out of there
3: well it depends if you I mean crack it seems him, like it, you're gone i mean if there's a very there's a very strict uh order and everything has to be done a very specific very certain way
0: and if it's not done that way then you're screwed if you can't follow simple direction like make sure your bed is made now here's the thing back then they did hit you my father was in army boot camp in 1957 uh and back then the drill sergeants carried a horse whip and my father told me a story where at parade rest where your hands were supposed to be sort of enjoined behind your back, his hands were a little loose one day and the DI came back and just cracked him on his hands. That doesn't happen anymore. They went from a horsewhip to a punch to the gut to when I was in, not literally being able to actually touch you. Um, and, and that's sort of certainly what they're doing now. So this is an extreme version of, of the military experience, especially because it's during wartime. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah that, that war face needs work it definitely needs some. so work. they didn't know they were going to have their heads shaved what do they think was going to happen
0: no they did but I guess you know just they, like
2: hey come in this room boom doing it it's happening you know
0: yeah it's just it's just a surprise and shocking. they didn't know that I think that cameras would necessarily be on them yeah. that's exactly Because of
1: g- course I mean uh, the, the, the the problems that I have with were this you movie you about to call me an asshole <laughs> <laughs> sorry
0: yeah everything, everything has to be predicated and preceded by sir or in my case we said drill sergeant because they were non commissioned officers, and you don't call an NCO sir. In the Marines, they do. That's just a little. I have a there. bunch
1: of problems with this movie, but they're all similar. But you can't take anything away from this sequence. It's just the most insanely entertaining opening sequence in a war movie ever. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is. It's just Arlie Ermy. Will you just
0: <coughs> do your thing? Do your thing. And and like on a technical level, it's not like it's striking lighting. It's not like it's beautiful production design. It doesn't have to be. All it needs to be is what you're seeing, which is Arlie Ermy. Talking shit to a legitimately scared
2: actor. <laughs> yeah, now you you wonder like, you know, how much prep did they have? Or this go, okay, so we're gonna bring in this guy, and uh, we're just gonna shoot, and you're just gonna. Do I whatever wish. Happens. I wish
0: I had more anecdotes about like the making of process of this. Um, I saw this movie relatively at a young age. I think it was like fourteen the first time I saw this. Um.
2: It's Vincent D'Onofrio who then went on to do whatever Law and Order he was on. I would and, have the and, same, same in problem Black. that D'Onofrio's Men had in, in Black. Of I would, be, I would be
1: grinning the entire time.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
0: know what? There were a couple people in my platoon who had that. You get over that shit, yeah. real quick. You yeah. get and because it goes. There was one time, the, my first, my experience of doing this when we were on the ready line. Uh, my drill sergeant was walking past and talking about like our lives then versus our lives now, and he literally said, "You have spent your entire fucking lives sitting on your ass watching." Beavis and butthead and disrespecting <laughs> your country. When he said Beavis and butthead, he was literally in the middle of passing me. Oh, and no. then there was a guy, there was a squad in front of me and there was a guy literally directing, like directly in front of me, looking right at me and we were at attention. And as soon as he said Beavis <laughs> oh, and no. butthead, he sounded exactly like coach buzz at the time doing it. When he did that, I nearly lost my shit. And, me, and the guy across from me lost it, almost lost his shit. And we were like in a competition, but like also trying to like just vibrating, like trying not to laugh. And uh, they do that shit. They know they can say funny shit. They will intentionally try to break you in a laughter way, too. Yeah, so then they can jump on you. Then they go, ah, I got gotcha. you. And again, he's just blatantly choking this guy, which, again, is, wasn't even legal then. He's not even choking him. He's crushing his throat. There's a difference. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. He's not. His hands are wrapped around his neck. It's just
1: crushing his. And throat. from what I
0: understand, Arlie and Maria is actually like you can actually see him change color here a little bit. Like Harley yeah, yeah. Maria is actually choking him, and Vincent D'Onofrio was like, "Well, Vincent D'Onofrio is all over that shit." Yeah, a method, I think. I he's, think. Well, I think. I think he had to be broken down in real life to actually it. convey some of this stuff. Uh, you know, certainly we never had um, anybody go anywhere near the depths of what. His character does, but we did have a guy sort of have a mental breakdown in the middle of it, and there it led to a physical confrontation, which I, I was one of two guys who had to restrain him. Um, so it it does kind of fuck with some. Some people just can't do it.
1: But do they just do they do they just leave? Some of them. Is leave. there any point after this point where you can just be like, you know, you, it no, you can't, like a good you can't. Idea.
0: You have to have like a specific reason. Like you have to say like, one guy got out because he said shooting a rifle was against his religion. To which I say. <laughs> what do you think they did in the Army? Yeah. Like He said, well, I was uh, signing up for computer tech. I didn't realize I would have to be trained in firing a weapon, which I refused to do. And and they, they said, okay, you want to get out of the Army? Sure. Unfortunately, the paperwork is really long and arduous, so we won't be able to actually discharge you until seven and a half weeks for your eight-week boot camp.
2: Yeah. <laughs> nice. So enjoy. Enjoy. Very pretty shot. right?
0: Yeah, I mean, shot. this is where... I mean there are some really sort of beautiful, iconic moments. And this Jody that they're singing, this cadence.
2: Yeah. Pretty standard. Yeah. Now we did we mention we didn't mention already or am I having a brain cramp that, that the, the movie is not widescreen? We did mention it. We didn't mention did mention it. Yeah. It's okay. crushingly annoying. Which is weird. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out if, is, if is, is it cropped or is it full frame. It's been modified to fit your television. Right. Set. But the question is, you know, did yeah. they, so uh, we're losing did they, image. We're we losing image. Or are we gaining top and bottom? We, we are, might be we, gaining a little bit of top there. I well, think. We could, but since Kubrick, since that was a mandate from Kubrick that he didn't want, he didn't like letterboxing. I wonder if he shot full frame. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I'm
1: sure we're going to spend the rest of the, the episode. You know, peppering in anecdotes from this sort of experience, but I want to move on. But I have a question before we do. Sure. I don't understand the impulse to do this, even kind of.
0: Impulse to join what? the
2: army. To join the army. I don't understand it. And I have a I, I have I have I tremendous surprise because who obviously, do, you know, I, mean, I was, I was, you know, I was, when I was of army age, was when right. they were just thinking of reinstating the draft. Right. Um, and, they, uh, and the army was probably at its low ebb. It was post Vietnam. And of course, no one wanted to join the army when I was, uh, when I came of age to do it. And when they talked about I, I did have to sign up for. You know, you had to, it wasn't mandatory enlistment, but you did have to sign up and go. Here's 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 who I am, and here's where I live. Right, um, and they were you know that was the law. And then I had some of my hippy dippy friends. Oh, so <laughs> hard to, to, to uh, Some of my yeah. hippy dippy friends were were saying, "No, don't do that, dude. <coughs> <laughs> don't don't and don't register." And right. um, and of course, you know, they 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 were prosecuting some people who weren't registering because it was the law. So I like, you better registered, but um, yeah, you know, nothing. But I
1: mean. Both, but Eddie, I, I Eddie, couldn't imagine.
2: I couldn't imagine going, getting into the, going into the army right. on purpose. Eddie, right.
1: obviously, you and to a lesser extent Brian. Although I mean, it, the same choice was made between sure. both of you. I don't get it.
0: Um, well, b- before I answer the question, um, really quickly, they're about to go to sleep with their rifles. They don't actually let you do that because once in a blue moon, somebody flips out and yeah, hides just around, around indicates and, what can happen. Exactly. So because of things like this, and there there are rare, extremely rare incidents where things like this have happened. Uh, our weapons were kept in a locked vault. We checked them out. It, it was the same weapon. Mine was number 21. Uh, but the only time I ever slept with it was when we were doing a field training exercise and we had to actually like, sleep in the field. That was the only instance that we got to sleep with our weapon, as was we were. To answer your question, I can't pretend to answer for everyone. I can only answer for myself. Um, for me, I'm a third-generation Army veteran. My mother and father were in the military. My mother was a reservist as well, but she was active duty for two years. Uh, my father, eighteen years active duty, two tours of Vietnam. My grandfather, World War Two and Korea, um, and I think a great grandfather probably along the way. Uh, for me, none of none of that had any bearing on joining the military. For me, I knew I was a good guy who had some legitimate skills. What I know I definitely lacked was some sort of self discipline and some sort of like really sort of ability to focus and concentrate on shit. Plus, I felt like. At the time, I wanted to – whatever my career was, I felt like skills that I could learn in the military uh, would help with that because my mother went on to become a very successful uh, you know, vice president of quality assurance for major aerospace companies. My father ended up working for the Veterans Administration Hospital, and both of them would always talk about the importance of their military experience to doing what they wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't get into filmmaking until my freshman year of college. Even though I had been a fan of films and a love of films my entire life, uh, I didn't pursue it as a career option until after my military experience. Uh, but because of it, I can say I took the same sort of work ethic and applied it to that. Um, so that was why I joined. And I knew that, hey, we were in an era where we probably weren't going to have another major war for a while. And this was 96, so you couldn't really blame me for thinking that. And I figured, all right, I'll join the Reserves. I'll get some good experience. And then I'll join ROTC and get my commission and things like that. Things obviously changed. My life changed in a little bit went down a different path. But for me, I wanted just an ability to be a little bit more self-disciplined. The military definitely helped with that. So is that the only way to get disciplined? Certainly not, but it helped me. And that's at the end of the day, all I can really say about it. Wow. That took a
2: while to say
3: (laughs) for me. It was okay.
2: Well, that's good. Good to know.
3: uh, It was a dual, dual thing. On the one hand, I wanted to be part of larger than something, be a a part of something that is larger than yourself. Uh, Something that is bigger than yourself, working towards some direct goal, and um, part of it was just, you know, I'm not a very masculine per- person, and this was a way to says you,
0: big boy, to
3: <laughs> be more masculine. I guess I don't know it's uh, the uniform, the phony tough, as uh, Matthew Modine says in the beginning. <laughs> All right, I guess I can understand both of those things.
0: No, I mean, and everybody's answer is different. Some people, it's more of a tradition thing. Some people, legitimately, got pissed off after nine eleven. Some people, whatever. My dad was directionless. He went to junior college one year. Ju- you know, he was an educated man, but that wasn't for him at that time. He That's, did his thing.
2: And let's be, you know, let's be fair. There's, you know, there's there are many people in in our in our fabulous country who you know live in a in a city that consists of five trailer parks and you know a, that a, certainly a, is a, a bread factory you know, only and, one way out. You know, and and. and it's either
0: football or the army. I, I was one of like three guys in my platoon from Los Angeles, and there were quite a few from you know smaller southern midwestern towns. There's certainly something to be said for that. All right, now Full Metal Jacket is one, is listed in that you know that old famous list of classic war movies. Right. Oh, I did did you ever do Pugel 6, Brian? No, no. I well, I was I, on
1: American Gladiators. Ask me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I did that because I part of. That's part of bayonet training. They teach that as part of like your bayonet training, usually around week four. And um, I beat my first guy, but the problem was is that moving around – we were in a full-on sand pit, and moving around in sand pit with a boot tires the just the hell out of you. And by like halfway through my second fight, I just didn't give a shit anymore. And uh, I just – Yeah, this – you see this a lot. You see this – like the the character (laughs) of – that would be
2: me. If I had gone in, that would be me. I I never was able to climb the rope in gym class either.
0: The the, the failure of of Gomer essentially, the the, the failure of Pyle isn't necessarily physical shape or his mental acumen. It's it's a combination of all these things. And it's – after a while, I mean, big guys will eventually get into shape. Uh, he just has like sort of for a while he has sort of like this failure of of being able to do it and he's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of people that you see going through the boot camp experience Um, irrespective of what you think of this film this is everybody kind of reveres this first half of the film as the best cinematic uh, version of the boot camp experience over any other movie that's pretty much undisputed and appropriately appropriately so yeah Yeah. the DI starring Jack Webb an old 50s film that was pretty good too but that was from a different era this is the first one to actually like realistically portray it and, you know, some of the body language and humor and the vulgarity of it sometimes. But, you know, the, also the camaraderie, the fellowship and the darker side, which you'll see a little bit later. I don't like this. This is terrible. This was fun <laughs> as shit. I'm afraid of heights. But climbing this no, thing this looks like fun as an activity. But <laughs> I don't want Arlie Ermy telling me I'm a piece of shit because I can't pull up. here's the deal. They they have, I mean, it's not, there is a rhyme to the reason. The first two weeks are what they call total control, where they literally control every moment of your life. Like you will be here this time at this time. You'll move here. If I change my mind, you're going to go with me and do that after two weeks of just getting you acclimated to a military lifestyle. Then it gets more into like specific skill training, like firing your weapon, throwing a grenade, Uh, you know uh, the gas chamber experience of you know learning. Wait, it. what? Well, I mean, you gotta you get you get <laughs> Let's put go up, back. Right. back. it's not out. a gas chamber like lethal gas, but they throw riot gas at you. They put you in a room with a gas mask on. They have tear gas in there. You take off your gas mask. You breathe it in. You walk out. You barf. That's pretty much the experience. You have to know what being hit with a chemical weapon feels like initially so you can get used to it and it's just and it's also a way it's just it's kind of fun it's like a fun story you'll carry with you for the rest of your life uh mine very simple we walked in took off my gas mask they make you say your name your rank your serial number your platoon name your platoon uh, nickname and you exit singing the army hymn or at least my particular unit did and uh, I made it right to the door, and then as soon as I got to the door, I just threw up. And like my <laughs> buddy was like, "Man, I thought you were going to make it. I was rooting for you the entire time." <laughs> and as soon as I hit the doorknob, so, not on the doorknob, I hope. No, <laughs> it was kind of like by the door. And then I got outside, and then the problem is that it's windy, and that the tear gas, tear gas doesn't just make you cry and snot. Your skin is like on fire, and so the wind hits you, and it just like makes you feel like you want to die. Um, And what's funny is that you wear the same uniform and until even after I wash my uniform, there's like a couple of weeks after that where I put my coat on and I'm like, wow, I feel like a little burning on my collar, you know? Mm.
2: My my dad was in the army in the fifties, and uh, you know another another good time to be in the army. Not much going. Which century? Not much going on. And uh, well, it was after it was after nineteen fifty three. I hope. Yes, exactly. The late fifties, and so he was in the army. He talked. He said the the most of the stories he's ever told me of the his experience. he said the most heinous thing was the uh, the inoculations. Oh, those I'm suck sure. so hard. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you had the benefit of, you know
0: not st- really. The technology yeah. is the not a better it's The air like gun is still the air gun. Yeah. Well this this sucks no, hard. no air
2: gun in the fifties. It was needles, man. So. We had needles, but we yeah. had the, the air guns. The problem
0: with the air guns is that if you're completely relaxed, it's okay. The problem is if you're slightly tense in your shoulders, it literally just tears your shoulder up and you bleed from it for about a
2: week. Yeah. So he, he that was to him that all well, the stories that you were told, he said the just going down that gauntlet of stick, 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 stick. Was like, right. Damn, that was not pleasant at all. Right.
0: No, but um finished earlier. Yeah, the first two weeks are total control. After that, like weeks three through six tend to be just like the fun shit that you get to do in boot camp fire your rifle, do camping trips essentially, learn some unique skills, learn how to work the radio, learn how to work the map. Learn how to drive a tank. Now we're The drill
1: instructor guys, empowered by the fact that they can be mean and, and, and behind their their veneer really enjoying the shit
0: out of this. Sometimes yes. they do. Sometimes they don't. There was a, there was a guy, the great story I had, um, you know, during that week, like th- weeks, three through six, there becomes like, if you do your shit right and you keep your head down, you do what you say, th- there becomes like an unspoken sort of respect where they, they kind of like, if they, if you, if you do, okay, they're not going to go out of their way to fuck with you. One time we were coming back from a thing and we were about to go on a, about like a camping trip the next day. And like, so we had our bags packed to put in the, uh, the deuce in half, which is like a big truck. And just came up to us after chow and he's like, okay, private, there's been a, a quick change of plans. We're gonna have to do something. You need to take, get your bags. You're gonna have to take out this one piece of equipment, put in this new piece of equipment and, uh, and you know, close your bag back up. And we're like, okay, cool. And he's like, are there any questions? And this one idiot rose his hands, like, Drill Sergeant, can we take our bags out of the truck to make the equipment change? And it's like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and my drill sergeant just sat there, slack shot, and looked at him. He's like, No genius, you're gonna do a fucking Jedi mind trick and miracle the shit out. <laughs> and so there is a sensibility of like a humor there. And like the rest of us, like I mean, a few giggles escaped, but like he sort of allowed us that. He allowed us that that thing we, we should actually talk about the movie uh, well, sort they, of a, and that was a scene point. Point. it's, it's <laughs> just
3: worth it's worth saying that drills the good drill sergeants are
0: really amazing performers when you get right down to they it. really they're are like, they're stand-up yeah, comedians
3: yeah. they're they're a ton
1: of
0: things. It's a thankless job too because yeah. they got to yeah. get up two hours before you do and they got to go to bed two what hours do you mean? Afterwards.
1: That's a loathed job. <laughs> it's it's a, not yeah. like meter maid where oh that guy kind of really and the, the school. Me the,
0: over. the drill sergeant school is tougher than yeah, it's I, like Can it, you
2: imagine what drill sergeant school
0: is they, like? They tell us about it. They, I mean like yeah. my drill one of my my main drill sergeant was a Green Beret and he said next to next to Ranger School uh, which is you know another thing but next to he said special Forces school wasn't bad but like Ranger
2: School is like notoriously hard. He's like next to Ranger School
0: Drill sergeant school was the toughest thing I've ever done.
2: There was, there was, yeah. Again, mentioning the the movie itself, there was a you were on a roll there. But the, I, I particularly love that that earlier scene that we just had where where Matthew Modine, you know, won't won't say he he loves the Virgin Mary, you know. And he's like, you know, he's like, you know, it's like I I'm, I'd be lying if I did, and I'm gonna take right. I'm gonna take whatever punishment you've got. And he actually, you know, whether this would happen in real life or not, you know, this in the movie, the drill sergeant goes, all right, that was gutsy. Okay, I give you that. I give well, you yeah.
0: that. It's like you were saying about the the. Respect that you eventually hopefully gain. Yeah, well, it's like he's silly and he's ignorant, but he's got guts, and that's enough. Yeah, and that's that's a very simplistic way of doing it. You, you do see this happen a lot, and and again, this is a credit to the filmmakers. Um Of getting these little moments that just are so true that a lot of times the private who's a little slow gets teamed up with the private who's really good. I like
1: that. I'd learn that way. Please don't yell at my eyeballs. Well, but I mean (laughs)
0: that's the thing. It's like at the end of the day, the drill sergeant is still responsible for him, and that and you'll hear that later when he says, uh, "I have failed you." Uh, because private pile is is doing this. Yeah,
2: Private pile is, is so cute. It's like you you're pulling for him. You're rooting right. for him. You're like oh, especially right there, just like that so cute little smile. He's trying right here so hard. He actually, Marshmallow Man he actually
0: hits us. Now a little bit of a difference is that we had two obstacle courses: the CCC and the COC, the confidence course and the obstacle course. And we only ran them once each. Here they're doing it like every goddamn week. Like they're they're just doing that thing all the time.
3: Well, it's just because most of boot camp and basic training and I gotta say, is say cinematic.
0: Yeah, that's solid marching, by the way. Yeah, that is solid marching. Although I, I give Modine a shake. He <laughs> yeah, moved Ma- his Modine. head around the rifle a little bit. Yeah, Modine blew it there.
1: Yeah, but Arlie Ermey a second ago said you move the rifle around your head, you do not, not move your head around the rifle. Yeah. Oh,
0: and believe me, you hear that a lot, especially mm-hmm. when you go from right shoulder to left shoulder arms like you. that you. Say, you know, as, as, and I know you that's... could
1: edit this movie to make it seem fun, but it seems really <laughs> terrifying and horrible. Yeah, I want to. I want to see
0: somebody do like a new trailer of this, like they do for like Scary Mary. Yeah, and there and we like, go. It's like you know. the wacky, it's
2: like make it look like stripes. You, but the, you know? make <laughs> it
0: look like Karate Kid, where it's the old lonely man who like finds the surrogate son.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's him and Pile. All right, and at the end, there's an emotional scene where they're in the bed. Shit, right. I don't know what I'm have you guys leave. Having a conversation. So back
1: a, to the, the, the time-honored list of classic war movies. Do you guys yeah. feel that... Okay, let's just right off the bat, subjective question. Does mm. this belong in the top three war movies of all time?
2: No.
0: Top three? No. No. Top, top, I would say
2: top tier or top... Top,
0: top 25 three. of all yeah. time.
2: Because there's an ass of... 10,
3: maybe. Uh, I really? would debate 10. That's really... I'm surprised I, I, because maybe. I've
1: always been... I've always been condemned for not thinking this was like a top three war movie. It's
0: uh, it's uh, it's certainly the best boot camp movie ever made.
1: Would Apocalypse... Uh, would Apocalypse...
0: Now? Hell yes, yeah, apocalypse long now. In that top count three? Ab- uh, uh, top five, if not top three. Absolutely, I would say apocalypse now. Apocalypse now. The the thing my father always said is that the first half of this movie um, is really good. The second half of the movie is where it kind of loses him about Vietnam. That was not true to his Vietnam experiences, and and a lot of other Vietnam vets that my father served with would agree with that. The other thing he said is that apocalypse now succeeds in the Vietnam experience more so. Than, than this movie's Vietnam section does um, for a lot of reasons. He said a lot of that is like really far out and a lot of Apocalypse Now is really like sort of worst case scenario a lot of it but he said there were so many like little subtle touches that made it feel like he actually said he felt like he was back in Vietnam when he watched that movie.
1: Are there, is there a movie among us that we would agree would be in the top three? Honestly, the top three?
0: Hannah Montana. <laughs>
2: Black oh, Hawk yeah. Down I would say. Yeah. Black Hawk uh, Down is definitely Black a Down's solid down. Uh, war movie. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to even define what a war movie, war movie is. As yeah, we were, yeah, saying, we were talking about that. a second And it depends ago. on what people want in a war movie. I mean, we were talking about that. Uh, we've talked many Coming times down. about you know unsettling versus versus reinforcing. I mean, when you say war movie, are you talking about you know Sands of Iwo Jima? Are you talking about you know a, you know Taxi Driver? Or, you know a, a, Deer Hunter is a war movie. Yep. How about that one? You know, Deer Hunter is a great war movie. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you but know, it, it's it, like, what kind of movie are you talking about? Well, like,
1: here's how I define war movie, and I have a very liberal definition of war movie. But basically, liberals. it boils down to me because...
2: <laughs> you like socialized war. Yeah, you probably think an army's bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. War movie for me has war to... War wasn't
0: be- even born in America. Sorry. That's right. To-
1: shut up. You shut it's your poor mouth. War movie has to encapsulate the fact oh, sucks. that... Any movie with war in it kind of counts, and my rationalization of that is that war is one of those things like some elements of pop culture oh. which become pop culture and become – more even, even insofar as they can be a reference, they can also be a canvas. So it's, not, it's right. not necessarily a story about war, but any story that takes place in a war is a war movie just by the nature of this story wouldn't happen the same way anywhere else. So yeah. I would take basically any movie that has – even a substantial amount of the movie takes place in a war – can kind of count as a representation of war in one way or another, either relationship inside of it or the war itself or how realistically the guy's head blew off. All those things. Right. I, I would be, and that's why I say it's a really liberal definition of if it has war no, in it, I, I call it
0: a war movie. I get, I get you on that. Um. And I guess obviously I, this is a war movie. Sure, certainly. Uh, but then again, is it the most? I mean, and, and I guess part of it is that every war is different. Every war sort of has its own personality in a way. And and, um, and
2: I always take exception to people go, well, I'd, that's not what Vietnam was like. Well, Vietnam was big, and many people right. had many experiences in I get Vietnam. You. It's like that's not what World War Two was like. Well, World War II was the whole planet. There was lots of ways to experience certainly certainly. Um, and uh, that's not to you know I'm not negating your dad's thing about whatever. But, God like, damn it, he's dead. Yeah, he's, my, he's, he's my dad, man. I know. But um, yeah, the, the this movie, and not everyone's you know even in, when they're in one, not everyone sees a war the same way. Some people go, "This is bullshit, what we're doing," and some people go, "No, we're doing this for the right reasons." Right. I'm sure, I'm sure there's two guys having a conversation like that in Afghanistan right this minute. Right. You know what the hell are we doing here? I don't, you don't know. I, I'll tell you what we're doing here. Um, you know welcome to democracy but
0: um really I don't mean yeah. but this is sort of like uh, this is a very military thing in the sense that the if one ga- well no if one guy keeps fucking up at one point it's th- they will punish everybody else and not the guy who actually does it that is a, yeah. a pretty standard military that's thing that's horrible it's yeah. not though it's not because the idea is that you can't yeah, w- but, you when know, so, when your life actually you depends
1: they should help him but they don't they do a blanket party
0: right and there and that's another thing uh that's another thing going along with it but the no the, the I, it, Yes, the fact that it ends in a blank party is not great. But just the idea from the drill sergeant's perspective is that, look, you guys are going to war and I have to prepare you so that you look out for the dude next to you and that you don't fuck up and cause your friend to die. If that makes me... Have to give you push ups while your friend eats a jelly donut because he fucked up, so be it. Like, uh, he has to do what he has
2: to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You think, you think this is bad. Wait till they start shooting. The, Which well, is really, really the whole is, point. And that's, and that's, of, you know, that, that's, when you see this, and I'm not having had a military experience at all, I mean, I was vaguely aware of what the military is like. I know what a chevron is. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I'm a liberal pacifist, you know, I'm a gutless coward and everything, you know, but but. I don't, you know, I don't see things like this, and I go, "Oh, that's just terrible what they do." No, it the army's like, "No, that's fucking great what they do because that's what you have to do." You know, it's like, and it's, it's, I recognize, fully recognize it. It's what you said. It's, it's like when you send these guys into a thing, you want them to be trained. You want them to, to not, and the word, the expression is not. You don't want them to not think but you don't want them to have to think about things that they need to respond to instantly. You need them to be drilled, and there's a way right. that they've been taught to do things. And and you don't want, you know, it, it's in when the shit comes down and the bullets are flying, you don't want to stop and have a debate about how do you think we should handle this situation? That's such a great image right there. That's why I say
0: yeah. I don't understand the... the the humiliation aspect of well, it? no
1: no 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 i do i Pun- do understand okay. why, but i don 't understand the impetus punishing to everybody go- else well i understand that it's understand what they 're doing i just don 't understand the impetus to do it myself
2: I would uh, say that the idea is is one way or another it's it 's going to solve the problem right you know, he's, he, you know he, he, this was one way this problem might get solved, and, and the other way is uh, you know it's uh, what's what 's the, what's the, the Tom Cruise movie, the uh, the you can't handle the truth. Few, few good men, men. few good, few good, good men. That so, you know, that's there's the extreme version yeah. of how that problem gets solved. Yeah, is illustrated the... in Few Good Men, right? You know, it's like, well, uh, he's putting us all Code in Red. danger. Let's uh, and, and here and let's be real about of something.
0: Uh, Code Reds existed long before this movie. They yeah. existed long after this one. I am tangentially aware of a blanket party that happened. When I was in, I had nothing to do with it.
2: What's really, Uh, but here's the what's very tragic about this. this. What's especially tragic about this, though, is Modine participates. Yeah, there's that. It's like that. That shows that that's the betrayal. He's 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 joined. You know, he's he's joined the group. He's with the group, even though he kind of likes this guy. He kind of
0: likes this guy. It kind of feels bad for him. But it's like at the end of the day, there. I mean, and it does suck. I've I've done many hundreds of pushups for another dude's mistakes before. So I mean there's a part of you like that lizard brain that like gets it but I mean doesn't go about it. Um my mom had an experience in boot camp where they were doing like a some sort of like wrestling or combat exercise or whatever. And there was one gal that my mom just simply did not agree with. And uh during the middle of like this exercise, uh a gal took a cheap shot and sucker punched my mom in the face. And my mom wears glasses and the brim of the glasses skinned her nose up pretty bad. Drill Sergeant said, called attention to everybody, made everybody do an about face except for my mom and this gal. And Drill Sergeant looked at my mom and said, "Doty, handle it. And my mom knocked that <laughs> bitch out. Like, <laughs> she just, so there's, there's a, I don't know. Uh, I don't agree with blanket parties at all. I was, I didn't ever want to participate because I think it just sucks and it's stupid and it's counterproductive. But there is a level of desperation that some of these guys feel that they handle completely and horribly wrong. This is like Shawshank. <laughs> well, this is in like many ways, fish. in not, many right. ways, they're not chopping off a hand. I mean, they're they just they, they rough them up, and it's wrong. It's wrong to do what they did. There's no debate about that. It's wrong to do it. I'm just saying they're not doing it. All right, all right. I you know it. what I mean? Like they're not doing it as a result of like, hey, let's pick on the weak kid. They're um, this is this is a this, right. No, I know.
3: They, they're right. trying this, to make the weak
1: link stronger.
0: This is a,
2: right. yeah, and or right. and or break it That's rightly or wrongly. Right yeah. yeah, rightly or but wrongly. The
1: thing is, he doesn't have a choice now. He can't leave.
0: That's,
2: that's right. That's,
1: so
0: there's nothing, there's right. so nothing maybe at all.
2: maybe he'll cross that hurdle. And this you know, is like, this
0: is ultimately like the sort of fallacy of the draft, and this is why we did away with the draft, is that because we need an all sort of volunteer army who's at least walking into it saying, like, okay, I know yeah. everything that lies on the other side of that line if I choose to cross it. You don't want to get someone that doesn't it. want to
1: be there because you right. hand him a gun and he'll shoot you in the face.
0: Yeah. Right, I mean, and again, like the, uh, the, the 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 stories of like the Gomer <laughs> Piles in real life, it's one per one billion. It's so extremely rare that something like this happens um, that they actually act out in a violent way. But anyway, that's, that's really weird that it's such a low number.
2: Yeah, it's Man. true. It's, it, well, you know, it's it's the same ratio of people who go nuts when they don't go into the army, right? It's like, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's, it's that they're talking about. Charles Whitman, right here, is like Charles Whitman, one of the one of the earliest, you know, a, a unique American art form is the serial killer. We pretty much Shit, we it we've cornered and that we've, market, we've mastered it. You know, there's a Russian there's a Russian guy who says he does twenty two, but, but uh, oh, no, so it's, so it's, it's a it's yeah. a very it's a very American thing that uh, you know serial killing is a very American thing. It's something yep. about our culture that we we get into it. Um, How's this, any
0: different than a guy getting laid off and taking a gun to his workplace and blowing away the yeah, workplace? Yeah, this kind of it's amusing
2: not. sort of like admiration for Charles Whitman about how many people he was able to kill. And this, you know, it's like it's, you're talking about talk about Oswald as well. You know, yeah, um, you know, Oswald Oswald did do a pretty amazing job. It's a
0: little bit of overlap that this movie has with Apocalypse Now in the sense that uh, you know Kurtz and Ermy sort of skirt around this notion that to defeat this evil enemy, you must in some way tap into that killer mindset you've great. got to, you know you've got to sort of have you've got to be willing to be as quick and as ruthless as your opponent otherwise you will i mean eventually lose it's a numbers game
2: yeah. and again it's like it's it's not something that that i oh
0: such a great shot that's oh you know, god yeah
2: he's oh, he's definitely getting better now yeah. <laughs> good job guys it's, you fixed it yeah it's not it's not something that uh, oh happy birthday dear jesus Everybody's i love it. the arm the yeah, arm is just beautiful <laughs> you know it's something it's Even something the that,
0: arm is squared away <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly just i mean
2: it's such a disciplined jovial celebration you know it's something it's something that i would never do and it's you know it's it's good that i it's good for all of society that i did not attempt to ever join the army because I, I would have probably been a private pile i don't know if i would have blown anyone's heads off but i don't think i would have been very good at it um i've always assumed that in in time of war i'm going to be one of those really bizarre guys who thinks of strange things for the cia that's going to be my job that's how i'll help you know that's what i'm going to throw down that's uh um, but uh I'm, I'm glad that i you know i'm I don't go, oh, this is so tragic what they do to people. I'm glad that this is how it works. I know this is how it works, and I, I admire people who have done it, and I understand why that has to be done. I'm not like, oh, it's so terrible what they do in the Army. I was like, yeah, because you're asking them to do terrible things later. It's, uh, you got to train them for that. Anyway, you were going to say.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, it's kind of like in a I mean people like watch 300 and like oh the Spartans they're these beacons of freedom in this primitive <laughs> world And blah 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 oh. what they kind of forget is that yeah. every Spartan had around oh I don't know nine slaves yeah. to completely take care and support them while yeah. they were just quote, like our unquote, founding fathers wait what yeah right I, know I mean <laughs> oh, the, the, the freedom of man is, is often built on the sweat and blood of another man and that's yeah. just you know that's, that's the story of humanity you can't get around
2: that well it's deep Eddie <laughs> I bring
0: the pain. <laughs>
2: that's pretty, that's, pretty, that's what Kubrick brings out in a person.
0: It does. I mean, and, yeah. we, and we we're kind of talking about this earlier about this idea that you know, film as like a, uh, a recreated dream state. Like
2: there is sort of a dreamy quality to all this. It does. It has yeah. this very Wait, strange. I mean, before, especially before, the especially the climax of this of this half of the movie. It gets very very dreamlike. It gets, yeah. but before
1: we editorialize on the nature of that that theory, go ahead and put it out there first.
2: Okay, if you ever
0: read a book by Walter Merch called In the Blink of an Eye. As an editor, it's you know something you kind of got to read every three minutes. It's just it's the Bible of editing. Uh, the idea is that... Merch edited among, other things. Merch, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, right? now Unbearable Lightness of Being, uh, uh, no, Godfather 2. Just, just did, right? Wars, yeah, I mean, he's he's it? part of the old school Zoetrope troupe. He's had a hand in virtually all those old Zoetrope movies. Um, but his theory is that the cinema is not like waking life. It's not like it, the uh, the point of movies is not to recreate our, our real life experiences. No. I mean, think of it like this. You, you go to bed, you close your eyes, you have a dream, you see some weird images, and then you wake up. What happens when you go to a movie theater is you walk into this room, the lights go down, some weird images happen on the screen for a couple hours, and then the lights come back up again. That is part of the reason why our brains accept edits, because in dreams it's never linear. It's always disjointed. You jump around from time and place and location. So when we watch a movie, because our, our regular waking life is just a constant stream of information that our, our brain processes, but in a movie, it's all these different disparate elements, we accept it because it's most similar to our dream state. And this is what I think Kubrick and you know David Lynch and Terry Gilliam and a handful of others really understand. So when I say dreamlike quality, there's just this odd hyper reality going on in this movie from the dialogue choices to the, the Ligeti music you get in movies like 2001. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just those. And, and, and there will be blood too is like the most Ligeti like music I've, I've heard in a while, but there's like this eerie quality. Uh, it's, it's just like a dreamlike state. And like, and like right there, we didn't know where we are. We don't know where we are now. There's no real transition. They're not, he's not really going out of his way to set up time at this point. Um,
3: and to point your way from one scene to another right. or one sequence to another right you
1: know, it's not I, like I, I really dislike this movie on the principle that it didn't establish itself at all but when you put it that way I'm actually really intrigued by it
0: see and we're, we're like was this next week next month like what the fuck like we're incomplete. I mean that's,
1: that's the thing about but that was originally my complaint too is that what the fuck is this all about
0: right but, but that's kind of like boot camp that though is, it, that is that is yes. totally basic training
3: where
1: <laughs> yeah a,
2: what day well, is it? I, I don't know. I
3: went to – I was in ROTC in college, and right. I went to our version of basic training, which was only four weeks. It was 28 training days. and it's it still significant. It's still significant to the point where you literally forget that you have ever lived any other life. Yeah, anymore. your
0: life is that as far as you know. And, and when you – when my family and my girlfriend at the time came to see me on my graduation day, it was – it kind of freaked me out a little bit. It is then, literally like you were living a second life. And then when I took my hat off and they saw my high and tight haircut – <laughs> like, I mean, they're like, and 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 I had, I, did, I was never, I was never like terribly out of shape, uh, but I mean, I got. A little. I got some physique on me after boot camp. Obviously, like everybody does. A buddy of mine lost like sixty five pounds in eight weeks, which is retarded. Um, <laughs> wow. And I actually gained muscle and lost fat, and and like my face was like different because of it. Like, just I mean, your body changes, and and you become almost like this different person. When I came home, it was it took a while to sort of readjust into like a. But was that something you were expecting? Because I can yeah. imagine
1: again with the volunteering for humiliation. I can't imagine volunteering. For any process that would strip my identity, it
0: doesn't strip your identity. Identity. It actually, what it does, and what I think, is like what fighting actually does as well, it doesn't strip you of identity. It introduces an aspect of your identity you never knew you had that only comes out in situations that are unique like that. Because everybody has like a perception of themselves and like what they're capable of, and and everybody thinks they know exactly what their limits are. Part of the point of boot camp is to say no fuck that, we're tearing all of that down, you are actually capable of a lot more. If I want you to do this, guess what? You can do it. I'm not going to ask anything of you that A, I wouldn't do myself, and B, that you weren't capable of. That's one of my favorite things to say is that be
1: careful what you think of the world because it's like that. Yeah.
0: Now, this is, this is oh. kind of a great sort of like... I I, I don't know, Brian. Moments. Did you ever do any exercises that involved you doing this? Because I did not. No. Neither, I, I did
2: just, <laughs> Running and screaming. Just a charge. A I do that charge. in my day-to-day
0: life. Usually I call that Tuesday. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is sort of the the graduation. Mm. Um, Love you guys. This is kind of a unique thing. They get their jobs after they graduate. This is actual uh, uh, graduation at Paris Island, actually. It kind of looks like MCRD in San Diego, though. Um, so it's which is where my cousin Randy, I have two cousins who are Marines. Uh, my cousin Randy is graduated from boot camp at MCRD. That's obviously not MCRD.
1: Is the training process different for army Marines, air yep. force? Very, yep. very much so. Uh,
0: in order of difficulty from most difficult to least difficult, I would say Marines, army, Navy, air force. Yes. In that order. Yeah. Uh, and that's no disrespect. I have friends in the air force, uh, but Marine Corps generally the hardest. And I had, I, I did my advanced training in Alabama with some Marines and they said that the Marine drill sergeants would do some weird stuff, like they'd make him stare at a mirror for like thirty minutes just to like fuck with them and so they had like unique <laughs> experiences. Mine, I mean, that kind of drill right, sergeant. Right. There you go. Mine was mine was pretty hard, and it also <laughs> tests. also it's you know uh, different different facilities have different sort of difficulty. Fort Benning, Georgia, generally considered to be the toughest place to do boot camp. Fort Sill, second. Fort Knox, third. Fort Jackson, where my mom went. Uh, nowadays is generally considered one of the more lenient than Fort Leonard Wood is considered the most lenient. Now I'm basing this off of 1996 metrics, so things may be completely different now. But at the, when I was in, that's sort of relevant to that. Um, oh God, pile. <laughs> well, the thing graduated. is, he makes it. They they've graduated and they're yeah. yeah. He's be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Like this is it. Yeah this is exactly what fire watch fire watch oh, yeah. I had firewatch a few times thankfully nothing like this ever happened <laughs> it, it wasn't like this though no. but you do have to carry the flashlight what
1: is the, what, what is the point of fire watch
0: um, it's because if you're out in the field you do have to kind of stand guard and watch like while everybody else sleeps like if you're out in the field if you're in a like a bivouac sure, or yeah. something so it's just kind of get used to that it's just discipline it's just another thing like because you have to wake up in the middle of the night oh, that do a two-hour shift. So fake <laughs> <laughs> wow that one's like it's right, after effects right, it's like, right out of
2: it's right out of the demo right. man
0: and the and here the Joe kind of lives there. Uh, most times, Joe Sartan doesn't actually live on the premises. They have an office there. But
1: You know, I guess one of the things, it's funny how, the, uh, there's probably words to, to be spoken about the impact, the impact of war movies on the the incentives that kids feel to go join the army because they right. see... You know, if they don't focus on the boot camp part of it, they see the camaraderie well, and all the brotherhood. This was stuff.
0: insanely quotable in high school. Like all my junior RTC friends in high school, I mean, they went. They would have like they'd watch this like once a week. They well, don't they watch ups
1: now in this movie?
0: No, they don't no, watch now. No, they
3: watch it in
1: Jarhead.
0: Jarhead. Jarhead. Jarhead yeah. That's right. yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of hello. Oh God. Malevolent yeah. Man,
1: Vincent D'Onofrio he's Can great. bring it And
0: will in fact
1: If
2: you let him Yeah yes. he's, it's, it's, it's not He like, also
1: played It's so bizarre The things that Vincent D'Onofrio's done He was the no. bug In Men in Black And he was ah, Oh god My
0: phone! Telephone And he was Please turn Orson your phones bells. off During
2: the show he was uh he was the bad guy in the cell if you saw that. The movie. cell. Yeah, yeah, with uh Tarsum. Yeah. He played uh <laughs> Abby Hoffman in Steel yeah. movie. movie. Yeah, Steel yeah. movie, Yeah. Exactly. And, opposite he's, and he's Jeanine. on uh, one the, he was was on that uh, Law and Order uh, special Special Victims Crimes Division, division unit, unit. He's the guy who like course. gets in your
3: head, man. Which at, yeah. at this point cuz Jeff Goldblum has joined the show, it's now D'Onofrio and Jeff Goldblum. 762 millimeter each other. ball.
0: Yeah. I will say now that the M16 fires a 5.56 5,
2: millimeter ball. <laughs> yeah, well, but they're
0: talking about M14s, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but that's an M14. The yeah, M16 yeah.
2: fires. Yeah. So, just for those of a Full Metal Jacket describes the bullet, but what does it actually mean? Full Metal Jacket
0: means that it, uh, it the M16, okay, the the main, the five point five six millimeter ball uh, crumples. The idea Eddie is that knows it, everything. Well, I was an ammunition specialist in the army. This was sort of my job. Uh, it hits you once it goes inside. It mushrooms and expands so that it's a small entry wound, large exit wound. It kind of like mushrooms and basically cores you out like an apple. Full Metal Jacket, nice. full America, metal ja-
2: fuck yeah! Full
0: Metal Jacket means that the entire thing is coated with an extra like layer of metal, so that it can go through bone. It's just a through and through. Uh, they upgraded from the Full Metal Jacket to the 5.56 millimeter ball specifically because they wanted a small round with a high velocity pack uh, behind it that is a one shot kill. Because technically, you would have to theoretically, you would have to actually, even though it's a larger caliber round, you'd have to pump a dude a few times with it to actually drop them. Whereas the the 5.56 millimeter ball you can theoretically get a one shot kill off of. Wow.
2: Okay, well thanks for that explanation. No problem. Now Oof. this this is Kubrick what what Kubrick can do and he does it really well in the shining too, is just build this tension yeah. out of nothing, really. I right. mean it's, it's all just in performance. The camera's not doing creepy things. No, it's just, Everything's you know, locked down. It's all just like here's the situation and he Minimal just lighting builds like, it and builds it What the fuck is going it. on
1: here? Does this guy not get what's going on? Like I, at, at that point, I would have walked in him and like, right. oh, and walked back. Well, out. He's, right. he's about to
0: explain. He explains like, it like that, and you see his
2: demeanor change. Did you notice that he's got a loaded gun, sir? And he's kind of, he's and He's, and a he's, a little, of he's in case freaking you have losing his shit. He's sir. a
0: he's a buggy in in Black, sir. I don't know how to handle yeah, it. Yeah, he wants sugar in water. Now, see, see, he gets steady here. Yeah, he's like, but, okay. But here's the deal, and and he's hoping that sort of the Pavlovian response to the drill sergeant's discipline will take over, and Private Pyle will do exactly what he's supposed to do. Whether or not that works, um, we're about to well, yeah, see. Yeah, we'll see.
2: <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck on, with that.
0: on a lighter note, there's an old SNL <laughs> skit with
3: uh, Phil Hartman because Aww. the sergeant in the, Larry Lee character in this is Sergeant Hartman. So they basically re-did right. the first, the opening scene. Oh, that's right. That's, with I, I think do you mean. the role.
0: <laughs> so a scene in which Phil Hartman gets shot is lighter in tone. How? <laughs> how? Uh, not so much
2: now. <laughs> Oh yeah! Is the one where he was a drill sergeant where he couldn't he couldn't insult people properly? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're oh you're a funny man, you're a joker man. I think I'm going to call you laughing, joking around, ma'am. I think that, I'm sure that's on YouTube or he will do. I'm sure it is. It's, yeah. It is great, and, and, and no one can no one can keep a straight face during the sketch too. Everyone's <laughs> cracking up. Everyone's losing it in that. He's thing. a joker. Or Leonard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leonard. So yeah so so Actually, I want to go back Good to the stuff, subject Kubrick. of the impact of war movies on
1: people that are volunteering to go to right. the services. Right. I mean that, Well, it depends we, we, on what we, kind of movie it is. Right. Well, yeah. yeah, but still I mean you see you see these representations of the camaraderie and the brothers in arms stuff and I guess that would be an incentive cuz you know, especially if you have a life where for whatever reasons, you know, circumstances, that's not something that you had before where you know, it, it's a situation where you 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 had a uh, you know a, a stiff-collared father or something like that we're, oh here we go
0: here we go oh uh, really Whoa. good really good yeah pack work there my nice. god
1: wow yeah I forgot about that that's wow
0: that's significant Zach Snyder for, that's how you do a blood splatter
3: right yeah, that's, that's and together. like just
0: the little chunks of Isra and just I mean beautiful stuff man yeah,
2: again, not so good with having just made a film. Hides Hartman a jump reference. cut really well too. I thought, like, it really, yeah, it was, was it a jump cut? Oh, there's a little bit yes. of a snap just there, and then poof, just like that, suddenly we're in and suddenly well, yeah, we're. Yeah, the home.
1: snap comes across as he
2: got shot in the head. Well, that's and that's that, and that, like that's like what I'm saying. They hide, they hide it well it that way. Yeah, that's that's a that's a frame fucker. It's like Tiger well, Woods well, course, back mural. This, is, this is a great skirt, um, and this the, scene gave us a two live crew song. So I think we should. I think we should pour one out. Even if no one saw this movie, "Me So Horny" is now part of the vernacular, as is a few other phrases from this movie. Um, Well, you know, of course, the the American military chooses whether or not to participate in the making of movies. And and they choose based on whether or not the movie presents the military in a light that they approve of. If your movie blows up a giant robot, they will give you an armored fleet division. And if your movie is Top Gun, where you know Tom Cruise gets to fly jets around and look badass, they'll give you everything you ask for. Top Gun is the greatest recruiting... Yeah. poster the the air force ever had oh yeah um you know and the the dod loves those kind of movies you know they're like oh you betcha yeah About we'll it. help you with that movie over half the kids
3: that i was in air force rossi at an airplane school in college were there specifically
0: because of top gun yeah yeah so there you go you know even was, though they didn't realize it was navy at the time they just well was, planes I mean, air force yeah, yeah i
2: did i certainly did that. Mm-hmm. That's true. I did say, of course, it was Navy, of course, you know, but uh, but still, but you know, so a movie that goes, in, yeah, the army's awesome, you know, then then they do that helps. That actually helps. Including it's, me, I should point out, just yeah. you know, not to say I'm better
3: than anybody, but yeah,
0: right. My
2: dad, that was the reason I was My dad did say that he made a
0: point of saying that the hookers were this blatant. Yeah,
2: Vietnam. I know. This is like this girl's working way too yeah. hard. You would
0: think no, but, but he said he said that's he said that is one thing about the Vietnam half of this movie. Uh, that my father because my father did not like sort of the Vietnam half of this movie. He you just know why. Yeah, he, like, it wasn't just him. It was, like, friends that he'd have over. Um, they just felt like it, it felt like he was trying to convey a message, like, an, like a, sort of an anti-war message um, with it. Like, it, they just felt it was, just, like, like, heavy-handed. And, like, I, I can see, I, I mean, certainly it's his experiences and who am I to fucking, like, discourage it. But he just said, like, the boot camp rang so true but this just didn't ring true for whatever reason. And it was in a way that he almost had trouble articulating. Same thing with Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now rang true to his experience, whereas this one didn't for whatever reason. He said there were like little touches that they didn't hear that certainly you would see, but it just maybe wasn't as cohesive as maybe Apocalypse Now conveyed to him. Um, And maybe there are Vietnam vets out there who, if they're listening, who would have (laughs) feedback to that. Like maybe they have a different set of experiences. Maybe this one does ring true to them. I don't know. But for my father and for about three of his friends, um, all it was was the hookers. Uh, all it was <laughs> the hookers. Got the, they got the hookers. Yeah, they got the hookers for it. The rest of it, what the fuck? Yeah. And my father didn't talk like that. I just kind of do that affected voice for the hell of him. And also, Vietnamese dudes don't know kung fu. Like Vietnam has its own martial arts. It wasn't that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Damn it. God damn it. Come on, Kubrick. Cheese. Cheese. Now, I, I, from a documentary, I remember seeing was like this. This movie. I don't. I think the question that we were kind of heading towards was, did the DoD participate in the making of this movie? I, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, because I think this movie was actually filmed, strangely enough, uh, or at least parts of it were filmed in England. In England, yeah, yeah. The I don't know if all of Vietnam, although England, I think all the boot the, camp was certainly in England. And the and the final the final battle on right. that big ruined city that's yeah. a set they built in England. Actually, it actually was a, an old factory that they half demolished and and decorated to look like England, but to look like uh, Vietnam. But uh, seems like this. I mean, it's like this. So doesn't look like England, but it you know it could well be. But then the question becomes like, well, where did they get all this you know Vietnam era war stuff? You you know what do they where do they get all this hardware from?
1: Alright, so let's ask a, a, a sort of a random question, but what's this movie about? Because often a movie will announce its intentions in the first
0: not only the first act, the first 10 minutes, first eight minutes. Is and like you can, the, and the you key. kind of stick with it. And that's and kind of a screenwriting rule is yeah, first set eight up minutes, the world you for your it's audience. It's a Hollywood screenwriting. Minutes. Minutes. You know, what's, oh, yeah. what's, what's interesting about that, and it's another military movie, but this is something one of my first like film teachers uh, showed us as like an example of like getting your message across in the first eight minutes was officer and a gentleman. By the end of that eight minutes, right before the title card says officer and gentleman and Richard gears on his bike heading into his officer candidate school, you know, everything you need to know about his character, about his background, about motivation and what he's and the journey he's about to embark on. Like by the time those credits roll, you know exactly what you are in for as a viewer. Conversely, like the remake of Dawn of the Dead, by the by the time that Johnny <laughs> Cash song hits, yeah. you know what you're in for. That's right. Um and this movie very clearly does not do that because the first eight minutes of this movie have very little to do with what we're watching now. Yeah. Well that's one of the things that I I I
1: pieced that together and I was proud of it, but I guess it's an obvious <laughs> thing for someone else that would have done you know, screenwriting classes and stuff like that, but the movies that I really, really can't get behind, I get agitated when I'm watching them and all those things, and I get frustrated and I turn them off, of which this is one. I've only seen this once, and I only saw 45 minutes of it once. About 10 minutes after this is when I was like, what the fuck, and turned it off.
2: <laughs> well, welcome to Kubrick.
1: Welcome to Kubrick. But the thing that I, I finally figured out, was able to articulate, is that between these movies that a lot of people really respect and I just don't like, that just annoy me, like this and Dark City and Brazil... And originally Fear and Loathing, although I've turned around on Fear and Loathing, is a thing where in any other movie you know what you're in for almost immediately. And in those three films and others, they don't establish the ground rules and the ceiling of what a universe can and will be and what the story that you're going to tell is going to bring to the story. And this right? definitely
3: at- changes halfway through. I mean right. this is a huge shift. Yeah, it's a two act it's, it's, movie to a Vietnam right. movie because it's, it's Kubrick and Kubrick, yeah.
2: you know, Kubrick Kubrick made, you know made movies like like some you know some people would paint a painting. It's kind of like here's a thing. You know, Kubrick was you know very anti conventional storytelling. Right. He was not a Hollywood movie maker, the, by any know, the, the thing but, I
1: always think about that is that though a, con- a connoisseur can make that movie, right. often a connoisseur won't. And and and, and anyone can. To think to make a thing where it represents itself, and you know, how do you think? What do you think?
2: Well, no, I mean that's that's that what doesn't you take you, discipline. You know, if you want to see what what anyone will do with it, then you go to YouTube because anyone can bring right. a camera and well, things. Yeah, Kubrick, I, once you get Kubrick the, the, did what the, he did. The medium you of know. quality
1: control that is Hollywood, and where the guys that can that know what the red button does.
2: Yeah.
0: I think I think we the scene is actually kind of an important one. The scene is we learn that now Joker is in Vietnam. He's a reporter for the Stars and Stripes and he's having this sort of like editorial discussion with his his superior officer where he's like saying, "Yeah, firstly they correct him like it's not search and destroy anymore. It's sweep and clear." And he's saying like, "Well, what about this story?" He's like, ah, change it to something different like, you know, uh, any skirmish where Vietam- Vietnamese were killed." Like, "Okay, what about an officer?" Or what, you know, what kind of soldiers?" Like, "Well, they like read about officers." So, make it an officer kill. And Joker's like, "Fine, make it 20." And he's basically – he's our voice right now. He's like the yeah. one sort of – he's like our viewpoint into like this war situation where we realize part of the war isn't just the actual fighting. It is sort of this idea of perception and how perception is reality. Trey brought up the fact that in you know World War II – uh, we didn't see dead bodies until like a couple of years
2: afterwards. The, the, Whereas the general public back home didn't see footage right. or documentary footage of actual dead Americans for several years. Compare that to
0: Vietnam where we had American reporters over there all the time and we had footage coming back all the time. And, that, and therefore the popularity of Vietnam for a number of reasons, but certainly one of them being the fact that we could see what was happening. And this is the first war that had like a
2: media aspect to it. Mm-hmm something something else that that you know i'm not going to speak for what kubrick was going for but uh, something else that I, I i get from this movie is you know this boot camp process that we were talking about in which we observe for an hour on screen this whole idea of you know getting getting these young men ready to face an enemy and then sending them off to a war where the enemy hides in the trees and you don't even and they look just like everybody else and they don't wear uniforms i mean it's like it's it's right. this is you know they were they were sort of trained to fight a kind of war which isn't the war they ended it's up going a, to right. fight. It's kind
1: of an interesting flip from the Redcoats. Exactly. I was about yeah. to say that. Yeah,
2: Yeah. well, exactly. It's like, That's you know, this in this... We're the we're the British in in the Vietnam story. We
0: won by high entries, and
2: we roll into a jungle with tanks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we don't ever seem to learn the that, that that idea that you know we're doing it and we're doing it now in in a in, in more than one country. Well, it's we're like finally the just, locals. Uh, the locals. The locals always have the advantage over the guys who have to wear the uniforms. Right. That's just that's a rule of my, war.
0: My cousin is in is in Iraq right now. He's a um, uh, he's a chemical weapons specialist, and he's right now training. Sort of the Iraqi police force to do essentially his job, and he said yeah it 's a great idea. The problem is is that many of the people i 'm training never got past fifth grade, um, and mm-hmm. what they did have was not necessarily best education, so i 've got to cram sort of really complicated concepts into a you know a, a mind that is eager and, and young and willing, but,
2: but it needs about ten years of education. Right.
0: so there 's a lot of gaps to be built. I will say that um, uh, one sort of um, thing that I could remember from my boot camp experience one thing they kept coming back to was like when they would teach us like military tactics or infantry or anything like this, they would say, we learned our lesson from Vietnam. Therefore we do it this way now. And, and I think we're going to see that again, like post our middle Eastern quagmire is that we yeah. kind of learned the lesson a little too late. Uh, and it helps us, uh, helps us out a little bit. For instance, the first Gulf war, we kicked some ass. We went in, we did exactly what we needed to do. Didn't hurt that. There's lots of open desert to roll our tanks into. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we always kind of learn the lesson just a, a hair too late. Yeah. And now, Tet. And now the Ted Offensive. The Tet Offensive.
2: Which which if you if you if you've heard of anything from Vietnam, you know the phrase the Tet Offensive tends to come up because because uh, I've never heard of it. Well, the Tet Offensive was you know yeah Vietnam we send some guys over we'll probably have it all mopped up. The Tet Offensive and they'll say about it what it is in this movie is when and, and the Tet Holiday which is that was the, the scene we just saw where the guy was talking about the Tet Holiday. They're not going to do anything. It's Tet Holiday. Everyone it's and, July 4th, yes it's, it's it's the version of July Fourth. Um, the North Korea made a major offensive on the Tet Holiday and suddenly it looked like they were just going to sweep all of South Vietnam and we were going to, you know, shockingly lose this war. We you know, and we might have to just get the fuck out. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's what it prolonged the war for years and years and years after that.
0: This is when uh, we were kind of, we were, I think Johnson was president during this time. Mm-hmm. So Johnson was president. And then this is sort of the quagmire of, of Bob McNamara. And if you've never seen the documentary, the fog of war by it's Errol great. Morris, it's, it's, made great, great it's documentary. amazing. And you can sort of, it's, a, it's almost like an apologist sort of stance. And some people theorize if we wait 10 years, we'll see Rumsfeld do like a fog of war type thing because he just, it's a, a mea culpa uh, at the same time is sort of like standing up for his position. Yeah. McNamara
2: was basically the, the equivalent, I don't know if it was the same job, but of, 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 it was uh, secretary, of secretary of defense of, 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 uh, of, of uh, Rumsfeld. And, uh, and he, you know, and, and he's still around. And he he did a, did a documentary where they said, well, you know, looking back, you know, and, and he, he explains, you know, the thought process why we did what we did, when we did, and the steps we took in Vietnam. And and he, he genuinely is, you know, he was the guy. Like Rumsfeld, now is the guy that vilified. We like to demonize and, and go, his legacy. Ah, he's McNamara, is yeah. a baby killer, and he has no heart and no soul. And he's actually a he's a guy, and this was his job to go. Oh well, we're gonna do about this. And when he it breaks out.
0: down, when he breaks down talking about JFK and like how close he was to that whole family, like, yeah. I mean, you genuinely
2: feel bad for the guy. You go, guy. okay, this, wow, he's a, he, damn it, he's a human being, and so, now what do I think about him?
0: Here we are saying this, and the line in this that's absolutely true is that when he says, and even Cronkite yeah. says the war is unwinnable, that was huge. That that's, was like a big That's shocking,
2: deal. yeah. That's a shocking thing. Now, we've already
1: established that Kubrick in particular, but many directors can put together a movie which doesn't have a sensible reason to exist. It's just here 's this what do you think about it? and I guess right. the question that i 'm curious about is that in a situation where the movie announces its intentions and it does a three act thing where at the end of the movie something happens
0: it's a very character easy, goes it's, on it's, a journey it 's
1: very easy to judge it because the merits are universal and constitutional to what filmmaking really means. But when you get to a movie where it 's not so much a clear cut three arc structure where, or arc three act arc structure, where do you find the merit and what counts as merit and I guess that 's the question that I would I would pose in this situation because. Well, it doesn't work for me. It clearly works for a lot of people, and I want to understand what it is that people see in this that really excites them.
2: Well, first of all, the three act structure is, while it's practiced elsewhere, is largely an American thing. You know, you're, you know, when you see, I, I, there's a certain sensibility of movies that I, I I think of as that feels like a European film.
0: Yeah, Kurosawa does not feel like a three act structure. You yeah. can't look at you can't look at Rashomon. Rashomon is divided into three sections, but does the story yes, the rest of the not, traditional exactly the Seven idea. Samurai, like that's a fourteen act structure. If and if you look at, at you know
2: you look at you know, like you know, the, Tarantino. Yeah, yeah Burton obviously very big on foreign filmmakers. You know, and you know, but Bertolucci and and yeah. uh, you know the Italians, Jacques the, Tati. Yeah, if you, know, if you look at any film, of, like, if you look at any of Jacques Tati's, know, Tati's films, like they'll he, just they'll make any old damn film they want for those the, crazy motherfuckers. Uh, uh, Forty Nine
0: Blows. You know. Like yeah, the,
2: yeah, and I you know, and I, 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 I like a three x structure because I'm an American and I was raised, you know, the, with that kind of the genre. merit of it. Well, well, again, it's like you're 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 being ethnocentric I, I, there. I,
1: I, well, I know that I'm being completely culturally oriented. And, exactly. But so, I'm, but as a person who's trying to understand.
2: Th- well, is anyone in this room French or Italian? You know, we're not the ones to ask that question. I, I like I said, I don't dig Full Metal Jacket partly because it is this weird right. sort of two right. movies in one. I don't know what the story is about. I don't get it because I was, you know, I grew up watching Batman on television for heaven's sake. I'm an American, um, but I, I don't go. This is a bad movie. I go. I'm not equipped to enjoy this movie properly right. because it's it's the wrong. I don't have the, the sensibility. So I, I I'm left with just looking at it.
0: Uh, and that is great. You see him throwing up first. And yet, yeah, you hear the machine gun, but you see him like getting sick, and then you see what he's actually watching.
2: This guy really does get the great line, though. Well, how do you shoot women and oh, children? It's Again, just, it's, it's an extremely true. quotable movie. Yeah, I mean, this is really just it's it, that's a that's a brilliant line.
0: But like they, this scene, in particular, my father had like quite a great offense to. Like he he said like, did this happen? Of course, like there were incidents of this happening, and you hear about it. But like the, it just it was just sort of the if you lump this in with. The, if this is like if this whole movie is a proxy for the Vietnam experience including this while this happened it was not it was not as common as you seem to think and and, and it kind of makes everybody else seem like an accessory to it to, to just straight up murder and I think that was like the problem my father and a few other people had to it
2: and that's, and that's a common thing but that people go well yeah but only a few people did that and of course that's what you put in the movie it's like well yeah because that's what goes good and it did that's it. what goes yeah. good in a movie yeah. right, right. You know, that's, that's, that's the
3: dramatic interesting that's the important part is yeah. that that's Right. Event.
0: Now, I will. I mean, there was. A, I had a sort of a long and tortured conversation with somebody once about this movie, and the, much in the same vein of, of Teague's question was, you know, then why? What's the point? And I think after a while, I just kind of said it flippantly, but I. I think it, there may be a little bit of truth to it. Is you know, war doesn't make sense, so why should this? Yeah, you know, war right. really makes no sense. So therefore, should we try to make
2: sense there's, out of it? There's, the, there's the line. There's the line where that guy's just embraced. You know, well, he's well, embraced let me, the man He's the comedian. Yeah, I set that. He, up that, so that guy that can, is the comedian. As he's the comedian from, uh, from, Watchmen. From, from Watchmen. I set
1: that up so that I could I could uh, sort of go into my theory on this, and that is. Why I use such a liberal definition of the term war movie is because war is patently uninteresting. You have the exploitative aspect of war, which can be interesting to watch if you're kind of fucked up. But when it gets down to it, the very simple act of war boils down to that Calvin and Hobbes script that strip, uh, strip that we've all seen, which is okay, we're going to play good guys, bad guys. Here's your gun. If I shoot you, I win. If you shoot me, you win. Kind of a stupid game, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's war why games, it becomes a you know? canvas. Yeah, because it's because because war, when you boil it down and you say, I'm not gonna use exploitive here's what happens when you shoot women and have a kind of a disgusting character kind of scene, and you don't have your you know, what does it all mean scene? What you what you boil down to is a universe wherein you can have stories of brothers in arms or right. or enemies or all those sort of things, calculations and plotting and all that stuff, risk dungeons and dragons with real guns with no dragons. Right. Shit like that. Plus five and that's when I start to understand the point of a movie where even if there's not a traditional three-act structure, a traditional American or westernized three-act structure, occidental structure of a movie, I start to see, okay, well, if you're using this to develop a character that sort of offers an insight into an entire frame of mind that represents often a lot of people – Like even if you don't understand this person, over the course of a film, if you can kind of get a sense of who they are, what makes them tick and how they do what they do, it doesn't matter what the story was because the point of the film was not to tell you a story. It was to help you understand people that you didn't previously understand, which is really kind of noble in a weird, twisted way. And that's why I feel like this movie is – because I don't feel – I'm not particularly interested in Matthew Modine. I don't feel like he's given much to do. And over the course of the movie, I don't feel like I've learned much about him. In fact, I learned more about Pyle in the first forty five minutes than I do about him in the course of the movie. Well, whole I mean film.
0: he's in many ways he's a cipher. He's he is the journalist, he has that camera there, he is there to wit to bear witness to this fact. Fair enough. And but then
1: but then I hold this up against a movie like The Hurt Locker. Where it's a movie strictly about well, it's about you know the EOD squad and the few guys that are around the movie and the central character. But over the course of that film, you come out knowing everything about the mind of someone that can literally walk up to bombs and defuse them with while some amount of trepidation and fear is absolute confidence. That was a really valuable film, film watching experience for me Above and beyond The very small story That it had to give fair And that's why I would go To the Hurt Locker Over Full Metal Jacket For a war movie Well and well, I think well, sure. I,
2: you sure know, Kubrick was never one To talk about character Motivations ever anyway Right I mean you know You don't get to know The characters in 2001 either they, they, you know, they, He just doesn't make Those kind of movies right. So it's, it's perfectly fair to go I just don't care For Kubrick movies That's a perfectly legal uh, Feeling to have And I think
0: you kind of Answer your own question as well I think Hurt Locker I have not seen the movie But I, I, I've And I need to because uh, I was ammunition specialist. Ammunition specialist leads into the OED. Um, what I think, th- if that movie succeeds, maybe it's possibly because of the fact that it is telling a relatively, like you said, small story it is a tiny piece of the war this movie tries to tell the
2: entire story of the war i don't th- i think i don't think it does that at all i think you know that i, I think uh, that's at least it doesn't try to do that i, it's, I, think, it's I think it's still like, like i think it's like a it, mixtape or it's like the sampler of vietnam it's, it's like it's really yeah, hitting yeah. a lot of the greatest hits yeah right. it's, it's it is it's, vietnam's
0: greatest hits yeah but
2: it's it's you know it is still just sort of like okay we're just going to kind of run from one end of vietnam to the other yeah and it's it yeah
0: it's like a travelogue of vietnam in a way right. and like it's it's sort of like this And trying to compress. Vietnam's
1: Elizabeth Town.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. No kidding. It's kind of like in trying to tell all of these stories or all these nuances. By doing that, they're literally telling none of them. And I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, one of my favorite, if you want to call it a war movie, is Coming Home with uh, John Voight. Uh, and uh, Bridget Fonda, yeah. not Bridget, Fonda, <laughs> Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. That's, she was a
2: little young for that. Her aunt. To
0: have that gigantic 40 minute screaming orgasm that she had in that mm-hmm. movie. We had a
2: conversation uh, in some other movie about that. Oh, them. this moment. This is a really good character. This is great. Come in for the favorites. big win. Come in for the big win. Why don't you get with the team and come in for the big win? Yeah, it's just that. it's just
0: like these generic platitudes, which, yeah. unfortunately, you do sort of here in the military. It's just
2: Well, yeah, this guy is just like, you know, dude, do you, sir, do you even know what we're doing here? You do you just, have any concept yeah. of postmodernism or irony? Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah you just you just that's the thing.
3: About, a lot of people in the military are have very direct... Stand tall before the man.
2: Sorry. Yeah. sorry. They have I very, very direct, direct mindsets
3: of this is the way things sh- should be or are
0: and... Yeah. It's a youngian thing. Yes, you, youngian things. Yeah. Again. Good
2: luck with that approach. Who said it? Yeah.
0: He has no response to young.
2: Yeah, he does. He's. I'm not going to acknowledge. Oh, sir, that. I'm a fan
0: of Kierkegaard. Sir, Kierkegaard. What? <laughs>
2: Kierkegaard <laughs> We had—I forget what movie it was. We talked about um, the sex lives of paraplegics, and uh, <laughs> and, and there was much. Uh, there was one movie you could talk about that. Then there was, was well, there home. was much. Uh, under, you know, people admitted there was much uh, surprise in the room that I, I dared say that they, they there could be such a thing, right? And uh, clearly, no one. Had no, seen, no, no, no one that wasn't had,
1: our surprise tray. It was that you had things to say.
2: Well, and, and that's because among other things, I saw the movie *Coming Home*, which is right. uh, you know, pretty impressive stuff. Hal Ashby, um, go see it if you can. Yeah, Hal Ashby, John Boyd Great seventies. Right, we're coming
1: song. up onto uh, Jane Cobb. Yep, looking about as Jane, old as Jane Cobb. Jane uh, Cobb. Twenty-five years before Jane, Jane Cobb.
2: Yeah, oh, man, the, the and He's like Asian. he's, get, he's get basically Vietnam Vera with him too. He's get he's get, whatever he's the hell that M60, thing's called M sixty. I'll ask the weapons experts in the room. The thing <laughs> it's, with a the, yeah. it's a sixty.
0: It's a hog, if you will. Yeah. I got to carry the sixty once during a road march. I lasted about six miles with it, and you know, I was be just be like, one, "Get this! Heavy I am thing. five foot eight and one hundred and fifty pounds. To
2: get this fucking thing off me!" And here's Cowboy again. Now Cowboy's an actor that you see. I don't know his actual name, but you see him pop up from time to time. He oh, Mister Cowboy. That guy. I can't believe Adam Baldwin's in the... How old is Adam
0: Baldwin? Because he looks like 35, 40 in Firefly. Something you need to yeah. understand about Adam Baldwin is that Adam Baldwin has always been. Yes, he Adam Baldwin be. is actually an immortal. He is, yeah. yeah. He's the Highlander. In the beginning of time, there was an Adam he drank this Baldwin. He drinks it. Haven't changed since well, then. Well, in the beginning, uh, I call him Baldwin Prime, uh, <laughs> drank the tears of the sacred unicorn from the, the pit of gore. And from that point, every generation unto the world is a Baldwin.
2: Yeah, and then there are the false, bald ones. You've are false Baldwin. Baldwin's. You've yeah. got your Alec Baldwin's and your Stephen Baldwin's, and all those. You know, but the those, do, the are, those are the yeah. <laughs> anti Baldwin's.
0: Yeah,
1: There's another Baldwin, an evil Baldwin, and Adam
0: Baldwin killed them.
2: Yeah.
0: and he merges and
2: takes over power. This has all been well established in the history. Of and every so millennium, it. the cycle begins anew. So. So we're lucky to have the Adam Baldwin. Jesus there. Christ, there is, baby! There he is. He's
0: got a sixty-five ammo belts. So he's got so a he knife, must... two concussor grenades. I mean, he's his Alice pack and he just shit. On Twenty-five them. here,
1: 24, 25 No, now. I, I say younger.
2: Well, he, he, I first saw him in My Bodyguard, which was his first movie. Like he a was, high movie, right? He was teenage at that point. He was he was he was teen early twenties at the most. He's
1: looked like a man since he was two. And, exactly. And, and what he had a six follows? Pack in kindergarten.
2: What follows
0: is the most bizarre shit talking one-upsmanship. <laughs> that like at first you're thinking like wait are they the friends are shit? they yeah okay. so, he's yeah. got
1: kind of a Bill Paxton thing here and
0: everybody else kind of does like the like they're at a like they're at a taping of like a Wayne's World or a, a Wayne's Brothers comedy special like oh after like these really benign sort of jokes <laughs> like this
4: <laughs> oh, oh snap, snap oh, girlfriend we did, did not yeah
0: like
2: oh no you didn't now we got Dorian Harewood in the background yeah right Dorian <laughs> from T uh, two right. Uh, no, that's, uh, that's Joe Morton in T2. Joe too. Morton, right. But right. Uh, Dorian Harewood is a great actor who's been in many, many things, and I uh, always, always like to see him show I love Adam Palmer.
1: One of the interesting things about, that relates to this movie, one of the very few overlaps between this film and the, the novel Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, was a comment made about helmets in Snow Crash, which is that in combat, this particular character in Snow Crash, uh, who survived the Vietnam War, would never wear his helmet even
0: in the infantry uh, because it affects the hearing in a way that he couldn't describe. Which I call crazy bullshit on because any any <laughs> any like any person in there will not only say keep your helmet on, but keep that goddamn chin strap on. If anybody sees you with your chin strap just flopping about like that, uh, I mean, like right now where they're chilling, it's one thing. I mean, don't wear your helmet then. But <laughs> if didn't. you go into an environment where a helmet is necessary, your chin strap stays the fuck on. Well, I think his point was that
1: he wanted to have his senses about him I think I don't recall specifically, but I think part of it was that they were stranded there, and it was. I it was, have my brain. He was about trying me. to work his way out with like one or two other guys in like a Viet Cong heavy area, and he took off his helmet because the helmet was it didn't. He didn't feel like it was helping him.
0: This is eerie because he's staring directly into the camera. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> one of the few handheld shots are on the reverse.
2: Yep, that's true. You'll get
0: more uh, handheld when they go into uh, sort of the combat scenes.
2: Yeah, then I think they're a little then, more. Then they, or steady cam, maybe. There's, steady cam, there's definitely
3: yeah. an attempt by Kubrick to put you into people specifically. Yeah. Because in the very beginning, when Hartman, Sergeant Hartman first does yelling at, uh, I forget who the first person does, it is a point of view where he's looking straight into the camera. Correct. And, and dressing you down.
0: And also it kind of talks about uh, you know the, the documentary sensibility that Kubrick brings, especially if you look at a lot of documentaries of the time. A lot of documentaries were locked down cameras. They would just carry a tripod, plop it, plop it down, film a thing, film, carry it over, plop it down again. If you look at Errol Morris's early work, like Gates of Heaven or Vernon, Florida, excuse me, me uh, virtually every shot is locked down. I mean, every shot is just on sticks and just a steady, steady frame. By the way, for those playing the home game, we're about an hour and 18 minutes in. This is exactly
1: where I, it, it lost me. I was like, I give up. Fuck you. And I have this really... And I had... You know, I, I, this, this was eight months ago and, and I've been doing Down in Front since then. So I've gotten this weird sort of, you know, not, not elevated philosophy since then. But I, I kind of get it more than I used to just because I've had to think about it a lot since then. But I still have remnants of that. This movie, it's not even trying. So what do I, what do I owe it Sensibility that I—it's I, sort of, sort of melting away. There but you go. It, was,
2: it was originally a very strong chip on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Where my argument movie still is, like you're me. you're free to not like this movie. You're yeah. free to not enjoy this film. That's it's, that's perfectly fine. There's
0: no part of you not liking this that is inherently wrong. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and it's not and if if okay, let's say you watch it now, you see something you didn't notice before. You're not beholden to like it then either, just because something is new and something that you can respect. You could still hate it as much. You could hate it more. You know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of situations where movies that I initially hated.
1: uh Ultimately loved, right? Too. So this isn't a situation where it's a unilateral. Uh, fuck,
3: that this, movie this and sequence, fuck that movie. Forever. This sequence. This sequence is where it starts to that's really happen. That's great. And that's this
2: guy doing his death dance, his little right. twitch. like, <laughs> <here's his> little. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's tough though because the ultimate point of war is how incredibly pointless it is, but film as a medium. Oh, that's. Oh, it's good late Twitch. Who was it the great performance? Was it you
2: who said a couple weeks ago that you, you don't like the. Or was it Michael? Someone, someone said that was Michael. That was Michael's thing. It always unnerves him, the, the dead Twitch. To the, watch the, uh, the, the death, death Twitch. Tr- like rattle. Nicolas Cage yeah, in The Rock. Terminator 2. T- yeah, he's right. like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, <laughs> with, <laughs> with Joe Morton. That, yeah. that was Joe Morton, yes.
0: Clink.
3: Boom. But it's tough because the ultimate point of War is that it's <laughs> utterly and completely pointless. But film as a medium is like is taking pointless reality, the pointless excess of reality. Yeah, most of life moments, is pointless. Right. Yeah, life is point. Life is just a yeah. random series of events that yeah. just happen to string together,
2: and, and 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 doesn't very rarely does it tell a co- cohesive it, story it, that lasts ninety minutes. Yeah. Doesn't.
3: But the whole point of a film is to pick and choose your moments and put them in an order that tells a story. Right. That tells something
2: with a point. Impose impose some structure on the randomness of life. Exactly. But but the whole point of
3: war is that there's no point. So then to try to make a movie with a point about an event that has no point, it's...
0: That's a a, that's, sort of that's a very that's very yeah. that's very astute. That's I mean that's that's like because there is there's sort of uh, like a. I'm so
1: proud of that. That's <laughs>
0: uh, there,
1: <laughs>
0: there is no, I mean, I'm mean, for real. Like that that is that is saying something. I mean, there is sort of like a confusing form for content, and you know, the, the, we we associate the content of a, of a good movie, like we judge the merits of it based on structure, and like as anybody in writing will tell you, writing is structure. Like if you have good structure, your whatever the messages you're trying to convey become instantly more accessible. And this kind of is saying, look, war has no structure. War is random. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it has no – it's not prejudiced in any way. It will just go after and strike at any time. And yeah, therefore, well, certainly
2: certainly, war from the perspective of being in one. Yeah, like yeah. the grunts perspective yeah. if you're, of war. If you're, if you're well, a guy back at, at the Pentagon, in. war does have some yeah, then structure. Yeah, then but, it's risk. But, but yeah, You're playing exactly, risk. But if you yeah, yeah. go but,
1: back into the nature of understanding and enjoying or not enjoying a film, especially in a culture where there's a specific set of rules that you're supposed to follow, otherwise the film doesn't work. Quote, quote. Right. Well, here's something that's interesting to me is that this movie I think has like a ni- it has a 90 or higher percentile on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like 96. It's people's Which, people is, which, a fashion, which yeah. is taking uh, it's it's a sample of all reviews for the movie and puts basically a number on it. 96 percent of them are favorable. And what I don't understand is how someone like me who is at, at least literate <laughs> oh, and, and can speak interminably about his own Animal opinions. Mother. Can live in a country, you know, in a society where, despite the fact that this movie does violate in many ways the structure they teach you in screenwriting class, ninety-six percent right. of those that have seen this movie appreciate it so much so that it's it's better than fifty percent. Uh, you get a you get a fresh rating on Tomatoes if it's better than fifty percent review.
0: It's one of his most
2: commercial films, certainly. Um,
1: but I think a lot of I don't of understand it- how how what the difference in culture because if it's a cultural thing, that's fine, but. In this culture, it has a 96 on well, Rotten well, Tomatoes. Well,
2: wait, wait, Rotten Tomatoes is not anyone. It's Rotten Tomatoes is critics. It's critics, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And a lot of it is critics...
3: You know, Kubrick. Right, yeah, exactly. Kubrick exactly. is a very right. strong there, film. Th- I remember, there, I remember certain,
2: you know, there was a lot of, you know, especially when you know, he, had the, he had the brilliant marketing strategy to drop dead just before releasing Eyes Wide Shut. And people were saying, oh,
0: top five best film yeah, of all his of work. I don't, work. Think, no, no, I don't care. I,
2: again, Eyes Wide Shut is is slightly le- less lower down the totem pole than this one to me. But this one I enjoy more. Eyes Wide Shut, I just go, wow, this movie just is about evil, disturbing people that right. I don't want to spend any more time with. I at least like these characters in this movie. But um it, even by that token, though, I have to admit there's parts of Eyes Wide Shut that are certainly interesting to me, but it's not like a movie that I enjoy watching. Or, um, this one, at least, I kind of go, oh, okay, it's right. kind of cool stuff.
0: Now, a uh, really quick pivot, really, here. Uh, you see these guys with, with all the guns with the, yeah, like right there is firing full auto. That's the M16A1. The M16A1 had three levers on the, on the trigger, which is, or near the trigger, which is safety, uh, Semi-automatic, which is one round at a time, and then auto. The problem is that's a 20-round clip. And if you hold down full auto on 20-round, <laughs> that goes by over. quick. And so after Vietnam, they said, okay, one of the problems we experienced was our grunts burning through all of their ammo at the first sight of danger, like as you just witnessed. And so after that, they're like, okay, part of that is, is that initial panic. So how do we go about that? The M16A2, which is what I trained with, had safe... Semi automatic and three round burst. So you could actually get 10 three round bursts on a 30 round mag, uh, and you could be a little bit more deliberate with your shots. After that, you know, once everybody kind of got used to that, the M16A3, they reintroduced the full auto feature back into it because there are a couple of times when you need to go full auto with that thing. But it's, it's like when? Um, so the idea of like laying down suppressive fire that, that when two men are trying to advance on a position, they call it a, a, a two-man uh, buddy system. Like one guy takes a position, buddy, I'm ready to move, buddy, you're covered. One guy runs, the other guy lays down fire to keep the enemy's head down while that guy advances. He runs for three seconds, does a combat dive and roll, and says, "Buddy, your turn." And then they go and they do that stuff. Now you can lay down supp- suppressive fire with a pa pa pa, like just a single fire. But sometimes, if the if the fire is heavier, you want the the sound, just that sound of full automatic. <laughs> when you hear an M60 go off live, like on a full auto, it's it's a very unique sound. Like nothing really sounds quite like it, and no movie has really ever been able to capture what the sound of a hog going off is. Is it an intensity or like the quality of the sound? In, it's a in quality. In the it's like a vibration in the air. It's like even if you're not near it, you're like you're like i remember your dinner field training exercise. I heard the hog go off and I'm like, whoa, and your, your, your head just kind of goes up and like gravitates towards it. And, uh, heaven forbid you hear that coming in your direction. And cause that think blanks sound different than a real round. A blank d- does not sound it's at all the same. Round, essentially. It's an empty round with just the, the tip pinched off with a little bit of silicone in there so that whereas the pressure of, of firing that bullet or finding that bullet out of the round, that's like a, it's a concussive sort of like it's, it's hard yeah, to explain.
2: It's much more of a, th- of a thud to it. Yeah. A, to there's a like a, there's a bass fired. and a
0: baritone to it. Mm. Whereas like a blank is more of like a snapping, you know,
1: I can see Kubrick's qualities as a filmmaker. There's some, that shot just
0: a second ago where they're two dead and it's like a clock around them. And just, and, and no sound again. No, I mean, this is, we we're talking about like movies that you can watch without the sound on. You're not missing much. Yeah. This, no, you're not. Yeah. This
2: 2001, 2001 well, is another thing. That's saying, yeah, yeah, that's saying something different
0: than it was with Watchmen. To see right. you're
1: not right. missing much yeah. in full well, jacket. Well, that's because
2: this movie doesn't really have any dialogue that matters. Just like two thousand one has exactly one speech that makes any difference whatsoever, and that's at the very end of the movie. It's the last speech in the movie. It's the last words in the movie. Better um, me than yeah. What y'all order a dead guy for? But the uh, he <laughs> should be wearing the hat. Someone should digitally put the hat on him. But the but you know the, the, the none of the dialogue in two thousand one matters one bit. You know, and that's it's you know it's, it's intentionally that way. That these, these people are in space, right. they're doing miraculous things, and they're they're talking about what's what's in that sandwich It's Ch- like is that chicken? Uh,
0: <laughs> a moment like this is like going back to like sort of my father's objection to it, he like this is another moment he kind of called out. Like he said there was no real time for sort of this pontificating. That's there's, the thing. is like yeah. can you
3: have can you have a movie about an event like this without pontificating about it? But right. then in the reality, does anybody actually pontificate about right. it in the moment?
0: there is certainly absurdity. Like my father would tell the story like in his in his barracks. He had him and his uh, roommate, uh, or the guy, his bunkmate. This guy John McGowan, who's a family friend, who's I, I know him to this day. Uh, he they had a little mini fridge, and they realized. That if you arrange the racks a certain way, you could fit an extra case of beer in there, and uh, and so like that was the thing, and so like then so like they would give like tutorials on how to like jerry rig your mini fridge to accommodate more beer. So like it's just so like and the amount of work and just like if their off time that they spend doing things like that, that's sort of the absurdity of it. And then in the middle of that, you just get interrupted by a giant firefight.
3: And that's war. And that's war. And that's I mean that's that's a great illustration of how pointless the whole thing is. Sure.
0: That's a very primitive sort of like steady Steadicam yeah, rig it's a, right there.
2: A rig there, it's very nice. I always like these talking heads. This is great, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that these are like improv. You know, that, that uh, they're just kind of playing around with it and coming up with stuff. And uh, it's interesting that uh, I love the little Alex Baldwin's little Alec Baldwin. No, Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin's <laughs> little move here, where Adam mother's like a badass, but then you put a camera on him and he gets kind of kind of stuttery and stammery. Like, yeah, so yeah, we I don't know. A little unsure himself. Yeah, it's great. And then this cowboy, cowboy, meanwhile, is trying to like, actually explain what the point of all this is. He's the one who's trying to say what this is about. My, so this is the
3: point. My
0: favorite is Matthew Modine's friend from The Stars and Stripes. He was just like, yeah, I've got a camera. I'll go to the rifle. Oh, yeah. I'll do it. It's kind of like the halfway tough. Hey, like, Here we yeah. go. Like, we're the best. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like drunk the Kool-Aid. He's bullshit like bullshit
0: <laughs> about air cav. That is actually sort of worth mentioning is that this idea of air cavalry and Mother Green and her killing machine.
2: Yeah, dude, you're a photographer. Let it go. This guy gets a good line, too. I don't know, I, we belong belong. I belong in Vietnam. <laughs> this is awesome. But no one gets as good a line of how do you shoot women and children? you just, don't, Easy, you just yeah. don't lead him so much
0: lead him as much it's horrible but like so quotable it's just like yeah. is the
1: nature of the debate between uh, you know service debate about who's the more badass does that have to there's do no, with, I with mean, who feels like they get into putting in more peril I mean is that what's going on yeah I mean Marines is it a, my balls bigger than your well, balls no, I mean okay look,
0: look at the job Marines are the first ones yeah, in last you, ones out That there's is there's the no toughest question that the Marines right. get the worst and job. they have to be and that's fine that said there are Everyone will acknowledge that there are some army units, uh, specifically the Rangers, uh, specifically you know certain branches of the special forces like Delta and all this other stuff. That there are you know the uh, the combat divers, people like that. There are certain units. Of the army that are tough, the navy is generally considered not tough at all. But no one debates that the navy seals, the seals. are are an amazing ground combat force. And even like in the air force, isn't there like a the PJs, the, the PJs, para-jumpers. yeah, jumpers, But only that, but there's like also like a special services, like uh, yeah, yeah uh, there's there's something like that. But there, there, I mean, every unit has like a unit that you respect. I remember having a conversation with my friends, uh, my friend's husband, and he's like, "Yeah, when I was in air force boot camp, I I got up at seven in the morning, and I only was I only <laughs> had to do PT once, and I just looked at him like really." That's that's interesting. Uh I got the three forty five every morning. Uh we would do four mile runs at least three times a week in addition to our regular PT. Uh I had to do a twelve mile hike with my ruck and carrying a uh, uh like a standard, you know, 'cause I was the uh the guide on. Uh yeah, it's just like I mean you just you kinda of like when you share stories with that, there is sort of like a bit of a, a dick measuring. There there is to and it. there
3: and it's the different dick lengths are actually very (laughs) real i mean it's it is real the air force it's it's just the nature of what each branch has to do the marines have to go from boats to the beach or to lands without without dying while people are shooting at them and
0: you know what i don't want a macho air traffic controller i don't want like a really fucking (laughs) gung-ho
2: tough uh you know crew chief for an f-16 i don't we don't need that i don't want it yeah yeah and 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 you know then then the flip side is the same is true it's like you know yeah to be a fighter pilot that's that's kind of yeah you know you yeah. You, you, yeah. you spend every night back at your apartment and you're sitting back in the air conditioning and you don't even ever necessarily see the war unless you screw up and you get shot down right. um, but at the same time it's like well most marines probably couldn't ever have learned to fly a jet fighter so right. that's just how that broke down my, my cousin Randy
0: my cousin Randy did IT in the marines actually mm-hmm. but it was sort of like you know in the battlefield like hey see, like okay they've secured the area so we got to set up like a, a computer network here although, so that's kind of a cool job that's kind of like the best of both worlds he's he's a legitimately brilliant guy and he uh he has a very technical job when he was in and it's it's led to a very successful civilian career but yeah he would just go in boom okay beach is secured let's set up our routers <laughs>
3: yeah. although it should be noted that marines do also have their own aviators yes yeah, so there absolutely. are marines Marine that have pilots. learned how to fly yeah. there are army from, helicopter pilots you yes know. yes yeah. yes um for my money, i got to say I, I probably respect the CBs the most.
0: CBs are rad. Yeah. Because they, CBs
3: yeah. are – they're the, they're Navy guys that are responsible for building whatever you yeah. need to build in a forward operating area. Usually so under fire. Have, yeah, yeah, usually under fire. So their job is essentially to go in and build a hospital or an airport or whatever the hell they have to build while being in like at. three days while being shot the, at.
0: The logo of the CB, the little icon of the I, CB. I, I love a, the CB logo. Is a yeah. bee with a sailor hat on. And of its multiple arms, like a couple of arms are carrying like a wrenches and a spanner, and the other is cover is like a double machine gun. It's like, <laughs> yeah. right it's like a right Tommy there. gun, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah like it's, like, it's like it's like a Tommy it's gun. Like got if you a go up red to, mag, to Port Winimi in California, like up in the Santa Santa, well, not Santa Barbara, but like the the Ventura area, that's the, the home of the CBs. And um, I did a RTC camp there once, and it's just really awesome to see sort of what they do. And ah, uh, yes, Vietnam <laughs> would not be complete without abject racism. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Now come on, the show the black snake. Come on, we want to see it. We okay, want to see it. All right. okay, okay, all right. Black guy, not too boku. Of course, Vietnam, the history of Vietnam, being a former, um, you know, French shithole colony. Which, which yeah. we talked about the the idea. I guess we didn't talk about it during the during the taping, but we talked about the what makes what makes a country, you know. What well, not a, a colony get, a former colony? Yeah, shit and, and and I'll, I'll go ahead that. and expose it. There's there's, yeah. a, there's a there's a there's a theory of economics that that well, you know most any place on the on the planet that that wasn't you know a place where you know Rome started <laughs> you know anything anything other than Italy and and and, and Egypt. Um, was was a colony of somebody's at some point, and that's true of every state in in America too. Um, there's an economic theory, and I've I've never found an exception to this rule. So please feel free to to tell me if it's wrong. But you know, when you had a colony, you would either send you know your idiot nephew there to run a sugar plat- plantation. And and hope he didn't screw up too bad, um, and uh, and just rape that area of its resources, whatever those might be, whether it's gold or jewels or slaves or whatever it is you're getting from there. And you weren't interested in making that a better place to live in; you just wanted to get the resources and then get the hell out. Um, other colonies are places where people literally went to make a new life. Um, the the northeast of the United States are all those kind of colonies. The southeast of the United States are all let's go rape it of what it's got colonies. Um, So this was only 100 or so, 200, 300 years ago at the most that this was all going on. Um, So the reason that Louisiana is crappy and New Hampshire is nice is because people who moved to Louisiana Louisiana just wanted the stuff that was there, and the people who moved to New Hampshire wanted to make a a living there. So there's no infrastructure. Louisiana has a 300-year lag in getting infrastructure built. That's why Jamaica's nice and Haiti is a shithole. Um, And on and on it goes. And and countries in Africa, the, the, the varies of, you know, some countries in Africa are perfectly civilized and advanced and capable of taking care of themselves, and some are just, you know a civil war that will never end because they were just craptastic colonies that no one cared about when they were colonies.
1: Humans started evolving here and didn't go much farther than that. Exactly.
2: Vietnam was a crap hole French colony and then for the French just finally said, we're out. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's it.
3: By that time, we had taken over for them. Yeah,
2: we took over for a couple of years and they still haven't, you know, the, now they're finally having a chance to develop as a country. And doing
0: kind of okay now, actually. They're doing, they're doing pretty, pretty damn pretty good. good. yeah.
2: And in fact, they're in fact, they're, uh, you know... The funny thing is, of course, once you let uh, the world come in... um Vietnam thinks it's a communist country it really isn't it's so not though yeah that's like, <laughs> and that's really something isn't. that they touch on in don't Apocalypse tell them now. because they'll be upset But that's something uh,
0: that they kind of touch on in Apocalypse Now We do this you know they, the Vietnamese, from the Vietnamese perspective it was never oh we want to be like China they hate Chinese they, hate, they hated the Chinese more than they hated us but the problem is that they wanted to be their you know North Vietnam wanted to be its own thing they, it wanted to be it just wanted to protect itself from pretty much everybody else like from France from everybody else who tried to come in and and, and sort of impose on them and I'm sure there's people of different opinions on this who are shaking their fists at the computer screen as I say this but uh-huh. yeah, there I mean the, it, much like the motivation of Russia to build up the Eastern Bloc simply as a way to prevent the rest of the world from invading it like it had been doing for the last thousand years because uh, Napoleon tried and everybody else tried Um Irrespective of whether it's right or wrong, they had a mentality in doing it. Uh, I will say this: that that, that scene where that soldier just, or that marine just died, sort of another good example of just like the randomness of it. Like, oh, he's just walking. Hey, look, a teddy bear. Oh, death. Yeah,
2: exactly. Booby trapped teddy bear. Rookie mistake. Totally rookie mistake. This is some big flames. They've this got is going an to amazing, these amazing,
3: amazing set piece. Yeah. Like, we're, really we're already past yeah. it,
2: but that whole that building before
3: that, that was collapsed, and demolished, and, and yeah. slanted.
2: And I think I think you, like, you know, part they actually the, shot this
1: all in England. No, it wasn't in England. It was uh, Sherman Oaks, and they didn't have to set up. <laughs> <laughs> it really, so
0: it's more Zing. like
2: Van Nuys to me. Yeah, hey, see. fuck
1: you! I'm in Van Nuys. You're oh, in, Van Nuys right right now. in
2: Van Nuys right now.
1: Eddie said my name before I made a joke and had funny.
0: Oh no, I was, I was saying I think part of the uh, the I think part of people's affection for it is for sort of immersive set pieces like this. I think if you uh, you know repeatable catchphrases like this movie does have in stock with a couple good action sequences. And, and I think the, I think most of the affection of this movie is towards the first half of it. Um, and then some fairly decent combat scenes here that are, are pretty solid. Actually.
2: I actually prefer the back half of the first half of this movie. Interesting. Uh, this is one of those things that this, especially this sequence and all the way through the end here, you can kind of see the cargo containers there on the left. Um, a little bit of a cheat, but, uh, yeah. the, the, um, You know, this, this to me is like, this is, this this is Kubrick. This is, this is, you know, not the cargo containers couldn't conceivably be there, but, but this is Kubrick to me. It's like, I'm going to build the biggest city ruined set and you know, spend millions of dollars of water brothers. And for then this not light it and, and put it on the sticks. No, and then I'm gonna put it now, I'm gonna in front of that I'm gonna make a movie that no one's gonna even understand what it's about. That's that's Kubrick to me. And <laughs> that's uh, Kubrick going, yeah. yeah, screw you, I'm gonna make it if we I'm want to. I'm gonna
3: build it. this like five acre set and yeah. then have guys arguing about which direction to it's, go well, it's well, almost it, Well, yeah. that's
2: the fun part of the movie that makes sense. Is like, you know, this this to me is is, is Vienna. Is yeah, it's yeah. like we don't know what you know, it's it's humans. I mean, at the end of the day their officer's been killed. They're, they're just, just human beings yeah. that are going to fuck it all up. But when you get back to the conversation about
1: how they had to make this movie, I just want to know where they came up with five acres worth of shit to light on fire.
2: I think it was an abandoned factory that was, that was just sort of sitting there. And they, 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 they kind of said, well, well, we'll kind of demolish it for you. How about that? Really? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a it was a, like a gas works or something, as I understand. Again,
3: you let us have it for four months. We guarantee you it won't be. There <laughs> we at the guarantee
2: end. you it'll be
0: more demolished than when we started. It's just like in Dark Knight, that hospital that they practically blow up was a just an old building slated for demolition, and it just happened to make for an awesome set piece. Same with uh, the building from the X Files movie. Just eh, we're going to blow it up. Might as well.
3: Uh,
1: might as well shoot it while we do. And Nakatomi Tower.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Wait, we didn't want it. We just built the We don't one. really
1: like Tom Rothman enough to keep this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love this shot. This is like you don't even know it's a POV shot at first. You're just thinking like, Oh, and What a, reveal. What, it's, a it's... what an interesting little uh, reverse shot. Everything What?
2: Oh <laughs> dun dun da. That dun, dun. that
0: is just chilling right there. That is a
2: and then and and a, a slow, slow push. Zoom. Yeah and and kubrick you know zooms are kind of are very passé but but kubrick kubrick always oh, yeah. continued to use oh, zooms it's more
1: of that undiscovered country shit yeah yeah, yeah the
0: yeah, blood, exactly. it, the the red blood red in the, red red red
3: the latter half. half of this movie is very pepto bismol
0: this is one of the more <laughs> yeah. this part is like one of the more affecting parts it always kind of like it, when I first time i saw it, it actually like upset me quite a bit just cuz this poor guy is pinned down there just getting slowly murdered and everything's in real time but every time he gets shot it's pretty much it's, slow it motion goes yeah. it's just so affecting
1: well they, they use something along those lines in Saving Private Ryan too where Vin Diesel's taken out and he's you know just sitting there getting well I guess he doesn't get shot again does he
2: no he just goes down yeah. but he, he very dramatically <laughs> hits the piano on the way down <laughs> yeah it's actually, he's like
1: oh
3: god yeah no
2: yeah like, he, he just he... Diesel for a while yeah,
3: but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting. Oy. Oh God, Buckets of just. If dude. you take these scenes and contrast them, in the, just the the Spielberg sense of doing something in the Kubrick sense, where it's like, Vin Diesel has this letter that he you know his yeah. he tells his Dentist. buddy, you have to give this to whatever it was, his daughter or whatever his it was, dad or something, dad or something, yeah. Fish, and Dentist. you know it's this sentimental kind of quality to it, and here Brian's an
1: inch away from saying crap. <laughs>
3: No, no, because I love Spielberg, but it's the just difference between here's the heart of something, and Kubrick is just going here's the, the absolute brutality of it. Right here's yeah. just this guy screaming. Exactly. There's plus, nothing more romantic. Plus, than it's like, you know, what do we know screaming. about
2: this guy? Well, we know he, he just fucked a hooker. We know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's that's what and, we know about they, the guy.
0: And he was like trying to like haggle the hooker. Yeah. About his dick size. So, the, the thing about it, like what's interesting about Saving Ryan as well is that. the the moments that you think of are kind of restrained for Spielberg usually aren't his fault so much. And through the foot, man, Yeah, that's bad. No, there's a, you know, towards the end when, uh, Matt Damon's character and Ryan says like, uh, he tells that story to Tom Hanks and then he says, you know, tell me about your, about your hometown. Tom Hanks is like, no, that, that one's for me. Uh, that was actually a big ass monologue originally. And Tom Hanks went to Spielberg and said, I I don't think I'd do this.
2: And yeah, this is
0: like an anti-sentimental movie. There's like a void of sentimentality. Yeah, it yeah. it. Yeah,
2: it, won't, it doesn't give you like
0: Well, that's people are watching war, this going the like, distance yeah. of Kubrick. I don't feel like these guys are heroes. Well, welcome well, to the movie. Maybe they're not. <laughs> welcome like, to war. Yeah. Uh nobody comes out clean in this. Like you I mean, you you hear that phrase that people leave a little bit of themselves in the jungle and that's and you're watching it now, you're watching some of that These guys are leaving more than one more than yeah, yeah.
3: But there's no moral judgment to any of this. I mean, these guys do these terrible things and Awful th- and awful things happen to them, but there's even in the boot camp sequence, there's no real moral judgment to what anybody does or what anybody believes. Right. like when Sergeant Hartman is talking about the oh, uh, oh, oh right. and Did you want
1: to they... know what got shot just then? It's like his belly button got shot out. No,
0: that was like the knee. That was pain. like his IT
2: band. That was like yeah. his. That was like the the outside of his. It's quad. so much, so much, so much mist you can't even tell. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, that's 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 Tarantino Thanksgiving.
2: That's yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that's very. It's again, it's a very Kubrickian thing. He, you know, he look at the guy scream. Yeah, uh. he, he Kubrick's style is to be. He doesn't really get in with the. I mean, he's like it, everything is. There's an emotional distance. Yeah. In in Kubrick's films, you know, he doesn't like you know let you into these characters. It's more like just watch them do their thing. He just puts and you it out.
3: He you he go here. Just watch this come back with it whatever you come back with but this is what it is
0: it's this concept of like evil almost being like a force of nature and you're kind of just like watching it like just like you're watching a storm brew Is like you're watching but this do you th- shit happen
1: I mean, do you think that Kubrick is doing that intentionally or do you think he's just making movies I mean, no, you think he's going. I, I want to make his, movies. that no, I think clean he's. Uh, that everyone
2: else has point of view. I think, it's, view. I think <laughs> it's just how he views yeah. the world. Yeah, he, 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 he himself views, was kind of a, you know very detached. You know, he would, he, would, he, would, he, would, he would rankle when people called him a hermit because he didn't feel he was a hermit. You know, he liked to sort of live his life privately. He didn't like to be on TV or anything. But you know, the press because he wouldn't do press would say he's a hermit. He's a crazy hermit. He's turning into Howard Hughes up there in his little place in England. But uh, and he, he didn't care for that point of view but uh you know he he it was it was just a style of his that he 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 didn't you know he did it deliberately it's in every film he ever made you know was that way
0: was and, and while most people kind of describe kubrick as a lovely man he had the the capability of, of dickery i mean he if you if you <laughs> the <laughs> way he treated the way he treated Shelley duvall during the making of the shining was, uh, and was actually, the he, yeah. what are you referring to he was really cruel to her throughout the entire filming process. Like more so, I mean, Jack Nicholson even said, "Yeah, I, me and Stanley got along smashingly during The Shining," but he was really mean to Shelley Duvall. Like in between yeah. scenes, he would like just browbeat her and tell her what she did wrong and what she needs to be doing, and like he wouldn't accept any sort. Of, I mean, he was just unforgiving. Yeah, he, her. Was,
2: he was. He was. He he directed her by literally terrifying her and getting her that getting that performance out of
3: her. And Matthew Modine talks about making this movie on this while they were shooting on this set, where he just got so fed up with with Stanley and not feeling like he there was no way he could possibly please Kubrick in any sense in any f- future no matter what he did he just Gave up and like started walking through this massive, right. massive sa- uh, set. Sounds such a go. bam! Ooh. Such an
0: amazing
1: city. I don't think I've seen that anywhere else where you see the squibs go off in like a just a sequence across one or two people all at
0: the same time. And it's so subtle, he can barely muster the strength to just indicate And It's just a, yeah. just a cruel
2: efficiency. Goes, this uh-huh. is well, he's Not just
0: inching, inching, inching.
2: He thinks yeah. he's got the drop on her. And he's made, you know, Kubrick's making milk in the suspense beautiful here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even Animal Mother's a little like, oh, boy, this is not good. It's a
0: reaver. Yeah. <laughs> Reavers! And of uh, course, it's the guy who has, like, the least amount of connection to, like, other humans who's the one who's actually able to kind of go out there and, you know, r- rush, rush headfirst into, into enemy fire to get this far ahead. And when he asks the guys, like, why do you hide
1: behind the thing with lots of holes in it?
0: <laughs> well, and like the
2: first thing he asks him, he's not like, "Are you okay?" Or it's like,
0: "Where? Where is he?" Yeah. Like, it's it's about the mission right now.
2: Well, at the same time, though, he was the one who ran out there like a like a lunatic because right. he wanted to do something for those guys. You know, he know. was he was as as he, you know, animal, animal mother may be the character that we learn the most about in this whole movie. You know, and in terms of you, know, he talks these, he talks shit all the time, but when the chips are down, he's like, "Hey, we can't leave those guys out there," and he's running like and everyone else is like, "Fuck, no, I'm not going." Oh, he gets like second billing after
0: Mademoiselle at the, in the credits on this for a reason, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah, he's he's actually an important character, more almost more than cowboy, really
0: potentially almost more than uh, Joe Sargent Hartman.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he is, yeah. Joe, Joe Sergeant Hartman doesn't uh, learn and share during yeah, the course of this movie. <laughs> he doesn't grow. I want to know his arc. Yeah, he doesn't, he yeah, he doesn't have more. much of an arc. He, he has an arc, but it happens very fast right at the end. His, <laughs> right. his arc is, my whole life has been a waste. <laughs> I've wasted my life. So one of the things, I, this sequence here, and, and regardless of whether the entire movie is successful or not, this this sequence here, always works for me because yeah, I think this works. it just it's just about it's just about not knowing what the hell to do and and kubrick has just put these pieces in place where you well as a as a viewer of this film you don't know what the hell is going to happen you don't know they don't know who they're fighting you don't know if they're going to make it you don't know who's going to get wasted next and of course he's going to pay that off in a couple of seconds um and i i think he just captures what the what i think what they, it, the, know, the it's, absolute it's, lack right, of any right. kind of direction you know it's it's War movies, you want to, you, you, you know, as a viewer, you tend to want to see, you know, how are we doing? But in an actual, right. in an actual battle, you don't really get that. Right. You, don't, you don't have that uh, luxury of, of saying, oh, well, we're, we're 30 minutes from the end of this battle. I can
0: tell. The older I've gotten, the more I've come to appreciate the second half of the movie. When I, when I was younger and adolescent seeing this movie, you kind of nerd out over yeah. the boot camp side of it. But the older you get, the more you sort of realize the subtlety of what's going on here. Uh, and you appreciate you know, just the sheer randomness of it all. Like, they're making out plans. It looks like they're all, okay, they've advanced. And, and then like, oh, no! the snap zoom. And, of course, one of our main characters now just brutally wow, does. they lucky
1: he didn't hit the grenade
0: that actually well that actually that's kind of a misnomer it, 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 that's it not a, that wouldn't actually do anything yeah you need it's
1: pulling an incendiary pulling the primer, you have it, the primer no that's actually
0: they're not carrying it, well yeah they do have a, they do have that but that's the thing is that that shit needs to be ignited and and the pulling of the pin is essentially begins a, an igniting phase and if you don't ignite it you can drop a bomb but if the bomb doesn't have the fuse it's not going to go off you can drop it from a plane it wouldn't go off
1: I, I don't know how I would react to being shot and I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have this just big old,
2: you know, whiny ass death. Right, right. <laughs> but you would.
1: I probably would. I mean, I, I I broke my leg and I was screaming way more than this guy was. Well, we're we're uh, yeah.
2: we're, we're all the heroes of our own movie and and you know, so we're not supposed to get shot. So, he's, he's so part of it moment. is just you know, you, people who, like get shot, but you know, I like I I really enjoy when when they play the anger of it, like oh god. Damn yeah, that's that's, that's interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. That's wrong. Like, that's, that's one not... of my
3: favorite moments in Band of Brothers. Is one of the guys is a writer and he gets like shot in the ass or the leg or yeah, something. Yeah, he's like
0: God
2: damn! Yeah. And it
3: immediately he's like, "They got me!" And he's uh, instantly he's like, "That's what I come up with." Like even as he's <laughs> yeah, shot, still under yeah.
2: fire, he's like fuck me, they got me. That was what I had. That
0: was my that was my that great was my line. moment. Yeah, <laughs> you can get shot <laughs> and not even know you're shot until like somebody points out, "Hey, you've been shot." You know, uh, so
2: another war movie stuff. that people have very mixed responses to is uh, the Thin Red Line. I I love the Thin Red Line, I, I, and I like sections of the Thin Red Line just like I like sections of this movie. But I, I, and a lot of people like, uh, it's okay until Woody Harrelson shows up. I but did. Woody Harrelson, I like in the movie because you know he's the guy who like goes to throw the grenade, pull one off his belt, and instead he pulls the pin off his belt, and the grenade blows his ass off. And he has they play, he has that same thing where he's laying there dying, and he's pissed because I blew my own ass off. I mean, he's like, this is just so messed up a way to freaking die.
1: I want to, I want to bring this up a little bit and make it a little cheerier, more like cheerio. Yeah. Like, uh, Any, yeah. what what do they teach you about dealing with a guy getting, you know, shot the, the, in the face? There
0: there is no there is no training for it. There is no um, there's no, pre- there's no preparation. For it. The best no, I mean, what I will say is this, because uh, I've have, I've have no firsthand experience, but I've I've heard this anecdote a couple of times um, during the preparation leading up to the making of Saving Private Ryan, uh, Colonel. Dick die, you know. U.S. Army re- retired. Dale Dye. And, Dale uh, Dye. I'm sorry. Dick die. I was thinking Dick Dale, which Dick is Dale the destroyer. The destroyer. Yeah. No. Great
2: surf guitar. Not, D- not Dale die. Yeah.
0: Dale I mean. die trains a lot of people. He trained. You know. Ba- he's he's one of the cast members in Band of Brothers. He plays. He's one of the. Yeah. Who,
2: if you saw him you go, oh, that oh yeah, that guy. He's good. he's kind of, a guy, kind of a kind of a southern fried kind of a yeah. way of talking and he's sharp in, features, yeah. pencil, he's a, he sharp
0: features pencil pencil thin mustache.
2: He's an authentic uh, vet and badass.
0: Yeah, a Vietnam vet serving you know combat. He says he he had. Part of the training of the actors, he would have them kind of sit around and sort of tell them things. And one of them was, you know, how do you think you would feel if the man next to you, you saw get shot and killed? Like, what, what would be the feeling, your first feeling that you would feel? And all the responses were the same. Everybody would say, oh, I'd be angry or I'd be sad or I'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd feel all, all these sort of expected emotions. He's like, no. He's like, every single one of you, if confronted with that, the first thing you would feel is relief and gratitude that it is not you. And then about a second after you feel that, you feel a guilt like you've never felt before that will stay with you for the rest of your life. And that makes sense on so many levels. And, and thank God most of us never have to be sort of confronted with that. Well,
2: that's what animal, animal Mother has that moment in this movie. Better well, you than me. like he's some, everyone else is trying to say something nice, and he goes, ain't hey, better than you than me. That's, and he gets it. You know? Yeah. He sums he's it up. He's honest about it to himself. Well, to every
0: and maybe but, that's why he's alive. Like, it, I mean, you, you kind of get that feeling. Yeah.
2: Beautiful set, all burning, yes, yeah. or not so much with the burning, with the movie burning. With the, with the propane burn. Yeah. And, that, and it's, it's, you know, you can debate it whether it's like, in, it's kind of the, you, that's how you do a, pro, a burn in a movie, is you don't actually set things on fire normally, because that's dangerous and might get out of control. You have hidden propane burners, which clearly is what these are. But it also lends kind of a dreamlike quality to it. This whole burning city is like sort of inexplicably burning, it's kind of, and the it's, fires are
3: very stable. Exactly, they don't grow, it, they, they, don't don't grow they don't change, they They're don't
2: smoke. There. It's like it's kind of like it's kind of like, you know it's kind of like Constantine's version of hell in that movie. It's do like, you think it's that's like, intentional? It's always it, well, I'm asking. It's like you know, just, obviously that's the way you do it anyway. But it also lends this sort of weird dreamlike quality where it's like it just doesn't quite seem real.
3: But then when you get it to a shot like this, that's and definitely again, dreamlike. Yeah, yeah
0: sl- not only slow-mo, but the aperture is, like, way open, the exposure. I mean, like, everything is just
2: Just lens flaring like, and crazy. And and, and so, so again, here's here's this movie, I think, you know, not playing f- safe with you. It's kind of like, yes, and they find the sniper, and it's a freaking teenage girl? What? And not only yeah, that, no, but, like, of course, he gets a drop on her, but because, tails, no because yeah. his gun jams, which was kind of and yeah, just gets he, shredded. He, he, he squeals like a girl and drops his gun, and... And then and this guy, yeah, a wimpy guy Who will uh, who is a cameraman but will go to the rival He will go to the rival when he has to. He unloads an entire clip into her, you know. It's like So yeah, that was a heroic moment. Wait, I don't know how I feel about this scene at all. You know, <laughs> Kubrick right. Kubrick's not giving you the war movie. This is not your dad's war movie, unfortunately.
0: So um Yay yeah, like, uh, you know, we
2: and that's want. and that's what you're. That's what he's going for here. Is like this is just I, I guess stuff right. that's happening.
1: Those fires don't have any smoke coming out of them,
2: <laughs> yeah, <None> whatsoever.
1: <laughs> and that I guess that yeah, I just it had never occurred to me that that would be representative of a propane fire as opposed to any other fire because. Real fire smokes like a mofo. I mean, yeah. smoke is everywhere in a real
2: fire. They've these got are a, these really dry. I mean, it they've looks got, a, like they've that. got a propane tanker truck somewhere outside of this right. set because that's a lot of fire. I mean, do they
1: have a way of making it smoke too, and they're just choosing not to?
2: You can you can add smoke effects. I mean, obviously there's smoke machines and so on. But the whole point is, but it's you also have to control a safety it.
3: thing because uh, any set with live fire on it is a very very tightly controlled environment. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they would allow anything that would obscure your vision.
2: I would hope they allow much. stakes because, I mean, that's just a great opportunity right <laughs> yeah. there. Well, I've, I've done some fire gags on sets and, you know, been part of fire gags. I wasn't the fire person. But, uh, some, you know, that generally you put, you put very limited amounts of flammable stuff so that, you know, you would see stuff, you know, like we like on Pet Cemetery 2, a classic film that I was on, we'd have a big fire scene in an attic and, and they would put, like, draperies and stuff. And the drapes would, you know, the set was fireproof, but the drapes would burn and they'd replace them every take. Um, but uh, you don't want the set itself to burn because that can how they build the, How do they build a set to be fireproof? Just They fireproof the wood. You yeah, spray you it, spray you it, it down on, yeah. with fireproofing. So, so, <laughs> and Cooper's not even letting you off the hook yet. It's like, oh, now there's a problem. She's, she's actually not dead. Meanwhile, this now guy's what is really doing? happy this guy, he guy, shot a teenage this guy, girl. this guy, he is the hero of his own war movie. Like, I nailed her. I nailed that is crazy is bitch. Murphy. Yeah. He's fucking Murphy. Yeah. To- he's, 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 he's ready to go home now. He's got his story. Totally killed a sniper, man. Really strong. Li- I mean, Kubrick, it certainly isn't the first movie where the fire has com-
0: has comprised a, a good part of his lighting. Like you, yeah. in Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon is uh, literally lit by candlelight. By candlelight for most of it. In yeah. Most of the indoor scenes.
3: I wonder
1: how you get a performance like this.
3: I wonder how Freddie Mercury
1: could write Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, <laughs> at some point, you just have to start faking it and hope it seems realistic. You mean the girl?
3: As a director, how do you, how do you get somebody to do this? Playboy I don't know. You mean the girl? That makes sense. Yeah, the, yeah, the girl's performance. She's I, well, a how do you get the, She does her what's, job. The, what's,
2: the, what's the guy who Wharton dies in, in Terminator Two? <laughs> yeah, he's off camera with a pistol at her head. You act, you act for me right now. <laughs> yeah, no. Talk to guy, Shelley Duvall. The,
1: the guy in Terminator Two with the uh, ass. The black guy in the office. <laughs> uh, Dyson. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say? You're, guess what?
0: Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah, he's I got mean, the he's got the thing. Let her ride. He killed my buddy, or she killed my buddy. Like, why
2: should we care? So they're all kind of hoping, like, well, maybe she'll just die and we won't have to deal with it. Maybe she'll just maybe drop she just dead. Implodes or something. Yeah. She does have that <laughs> sort of
1: wide open squirrel just got hit by a car look. Yeah, she yeah,
2: really does. It's, it's a very it's animal, a, it, very kind, kind of action. Yeah. She's also she's she also believe her
1: here. She'll catch fire in ten years. She also, hey, <laughs>
2: yeah. hey, asshole. She'll she'll come back as Darth Vader and kill us all. <laughs> this
0: is kind of an important thing here. He's like, yeah, uh, your your buddy's dead. I'm the highest rank. Uh, I win. And in yeah. a way, it is the animal mother mentality that wins in Vietnam overall. Like, I mean, this is like to to be alive. And this is you get a little bit of overlap with this and Colonel Kurtz's sort of philosophy in Apocalypse Now is that in order to win, you have to take on aspects of your enemy. You've got to be as ruthless
2: if not yeah. more. than The, the most army. the most chilling speech in uh, in in to Apocalypse Now to me is the one where he talks about the the inoculations, the inoculations oh, and how God. he how the Viet Cong they inoculated these school these kids and then the Viet Cong came back the next day and, and hacked off all their arms because they were touched by the Americans presumably right. and he he admired that. He's, he said it hit me like a diamond bullet to like the a forehead. diamond bullet. He said this, they had the strength. They have the strength to do that. We can't defeat people who have that kind of strength. And uh, he admired them. You could argue that's how we won the revolution. Yeah. You know, we could, I mean, because we just it, wouldn't well, give up. We isn't wouldn't that the argument?
1: The British are playing
0: away, and we're
2: playing fuck you, British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're playing for keeps. We're playing for real.
3: Where the, uh, you know, certain people in the previous administration say, well, Al-Qaeda does this to our people, so we have to do that to them in order to win. And it's, and it's that. I mean, uh, obviously, certain people come down on different sides of that uh, question. Yeah, it's it's a debate
0: of like, do the spoils
2: of war justify behavior? And yeah. that's a whole I mean, other. That's, that's, we had. We've ends. been having that argument for quite some time as a species. So they, again, Kubrick is just dragging this moment out and I just make excruciating, but but good excruciating, not like boring. Like, oh, get on with it already, because you just, I, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, this like, is awesome. Who's doing what? You know, is, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it?
0: And really, and, and 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 they don't cut to it. They don't show you. Yeah,
2: it. pay attention no. to the lighting on
0: Modine here, like before and after the this what's about to happen. There comes that war him. face. Yeah, there comes the war face. That's that's his war face. And you can literally see him transform right before you.
2: And then yeah, I'm watching just, Eddie. Suddenly he just I'm watching.
0: Kind of, it's 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 extremely subtle, but it's, just it's like the, the the tones and the colors that kind of wash over that left side of his face. Just it becomes. Along the, with his own performance, it's just really the way he tenses really and then the way he relaxes. Yeah, it's like a it's like a very gentle release. Yeah, like there it is. It's like the last dam has been broken.
2: And watch his eyes. Watch this. He does a very it's a thousand yard stare as it's called yeah, from, the, exactly. from World War Two. World uh, well, War Two. And called it's, well, it was set up Stair. earlier in
0: the film. He says like they got it that thousand yard stare. I got it too. Yeah. You know, fucking hardcore. I mean, he's getting props for <laughs> yeah. They're all going right on. A teenage right. girl,
2: you're in the club now. That's good. <laughs> So yeah, it's like gee, this I This is
1: my favorite shot. This is so it's cool. It's quite it's quite beautiful. The it's, whole city burns. <clears throat> yeah.
2: We win. Yay. So it's
1: Trey's House. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my neighborhood did, but well the buildings didn't burn, but yeah, that, that was my neighborhood looked a lot like that about a week ago. Mount Doom. Mount Doom, yeah. See my see my YouTube video for that one. Um Now now the, the, remember this this last little moment here is just a lot of people freaked out because they start they start singing the theme from the Mickey, the Mickey Mouse, Mouse Club, Club which which made people go yeah, nice. what yeah. the
4: hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That is kind of like a. – there is a specific reference to that. Like, uh, he mentioned Mickey Mouse
1: earlier in the
0: film. Well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, kind of a pejorative in, in military, especially in the military of this era, to say like, oh, this is a Mickey Mouse bullshit. Like this is – when, when yeah. it's just like absurdist and it makes no sense and it's frustrating, they're sort of just – to me, what, and by them singing the Mickey Mouse thing, it always seemed to me that they're just embracing the absurdity of it all. They're There's not a, even trying to fight it well, it's, it's a, also more.
1: something to be said about Americans.
2: Yeah, I I think so. Well and and, well period period wise, it's like these guys would have been, you know, early twenties. They grew up watching the Mickey Mouse Club. It's it's a it's a you know, it's a cultural touchstone. They all will know that song.
1: It's like us all going to Brian, it's like you and me going to war and then singing Rocco's
0: Modern Life
2: you know I Probably never watched Taco's Modern Life or um,
1: well you would learn the lyrics I'm
0: just
2: a poor boy nobody loves me Muppet Show whatever. yeah the Muppet Show it's time to yeah. put on Megan that'd be a good song to it sing blows, in March, the it ruins of a, of a country that you've saved why do it's, we always go, bam yeah.
1: I guess we'll never
2: bam but, but it's like it, it, it has it is the capper to you know and we won't say we know what Kubrick was going for but it's like is it about the absurdity is it about is it about well that's America for you you know we can we can kill them we can tell them kill a bunch of teenage girls and then go off singing the theme to the Mickey Mouse Club because we're okay that's what we do we're the Jolly Green Giants what do you want from us wow
1: right. full metal jacket full metal jacket Brian Fenefter has this has has watching this and talking about it changed anything at all
3: I I feel like I'm only now at the point where I can genuinely start to look at Kubrick or ap- appreciate maybe as too
1: pompous of a word, but yeah. You started real... off by saying you were a hobbyist snob.
3: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> a, a you, snobbiest. I started a, out as being a, s- a film snob and that's how I attached myself to Kubrick, but without really having any deeper kubrick is quite deep and dense. Yes. Later I'll find
2: out why I feel that way. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> that.
1: And I feel like maybe now I'm only
2: now. So, you yeah, up exactly. to so you're basically copying all,
1: all this time, up until now and down in front, you've been the superficial expert sure Kevin Smith fan
3: yeah
0: uh, wait but yeah I now fe- I'm lost what's happening I don't know what's I going feel on like I'm
1: right only
3: now being able to really look at Kubrick and appreciate what he's trying to do what is he trying to do well I know we talked about this earlier I'd, he, he, maybe he's not the master storyteller maybe the point of movies is to tell a story but he's definitely the master of sh- giving you an experience of, or presenting an experience to you and making that experience visceral so maybe he's not a master storyteller, but he's a master experiencer, if that makes <laughs> any sense. Ooh. That's kind of cool. I like that. Ooh, so I like that. It, does that qualify as art? Does that qualify as a story? I don't know. But I think that's what, somewhere going was, down that Wasn't road. there
1: some sort of qualifier that you had in screenwriting class that had to do with what makes art art?
3: Yeah, well, um, yeah, the the point of my screenwriting class was that it's didact- it has to be didactic. In other words, it has to have some kind of point or moral or something it's trying to convey to you educationally in some sense and if it doesn't have that then it doesn't qualify as art and maybe full metal jacket and a lot of kubrick doesn't have a point and he doesn't really care if there's a point he's just giving you this experience and experience it or don't and i think that's the difference i don't know it bears some more thought i think (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> you work on that a little bit
3: I'm sure we'll do more Kubrick in the future
2: well we're back I think we're back once again to an example of you know a film can have a huge budget and be released by a major studio and be an indie and I think we're looking at one right here mm-hmm. is you know it's the, it's the old uh, if a Hollywood film will reinforce what you want to know and an indie film will unsettle what you want to know and this and this, you know, will, will make you question what you believe or, or it will question what you believe um, this movie I, I think I think if Kubrick was a storyteller in the same way that Picasso was a was a you know could could draw a, a lifelike human figure. He knew how, it just wasn't what he was into. You know, right. he, he he did more he was into something else and, and you either can get on board for the ride as, as you said, or you can go, I don't get him and you can you know move on to another movie and that's perfectly fair. Um, what about yeah, this movie do you appreciate? I just I, I I no first of all I mean let's you know, let's be fair that I I like a linear story and a good guy bad guy as much as the next guy um I just don't think a movie automatically should be dismissed if it doesn't follow that paradigm which is a a very american very hollywood paradigm but there's a whole rest of the world that doesn't subscribe to that's what a movie must be um it's i always think of that as more of a european sensibility that a movie is whatever you can get you or, know or whatever cameras. you can point a camera at and get people to go to a theater and watch um and and i uh, there's there's segments of this movie that i think are just fascinating and they had that dream it's that dreamlike quality and and i like i do like ambiguity in a movie i like a movie that 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 makes people kind of go i well that made me feel strange about myself because um, I think we get too too comfortable in things, and we should question things.
1: So Full Metal Jacket and gay porn are about the same.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. Cool. They're close, yeah.
1: Eddie? Uh, well, first of all, Eddie, thank you for your your, your cunning <laughs> development of all these things that I would have never known about... The armed forces and everything. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, you could you could have separate discussions about. Uh, you know, part of like the joy of like listening to it down in front, I think, is that you don't just learn about the movie; you learn about things sort of related. and you learn about the people in it, you the people, the times. We're no, you, about can, each you can learn about the things uh, growing and sharing. You know, uh, friendship. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if we're talking about, uh, firstly, you're welcome, and then thank you for having me. um... The as far as the movie goes. I like this movie. I like this movie, I think, for different reasons than when I liked it as a, a teenager who was excited about you know being in an armed forces environment and sort of romanticizing uh, the idea of war. I like it for different reasons now. I, I can appreciate different things about it. Is it my favorite Kubrick film? No. Is it, like we said, um, a top ten war movie? Probably not. But it's a unique film in Kubrick's catalog. It is probably the best um, boot camp movie, as I said earlier. That we have, uh, and a very unique perspective, as like we said, a a sampler uh, plate of the Vietnam experience. So, for those reasons, I I like the movie a lot. Is it a movie I gravitate back to that I feel like I have to watch every year or so to get something new out of it? Probably not, but I, I appreciate everything that he does in this movie. So, for those reasons, I like it.
1: For my part, this is a movie that I came into really not liking. Like I would, I would go so far as to say, very indignant and loathing. Just I, I was, I was really, you know, this sticks angry young man character, <laughs> where it's like this movie owes it to me to make me understand what the I'm fussy means. and
0: entitled. And I, and I, and I, and <laughs> exactly, sort of. I, Explain I, yourself, movie. Exactly, I have no
1: apology. I, I have no ex- ex- excuse for that. But I, I kind of see now the uh, this this movie doesn't. In a really weird way, this is sort of a this is a divergence of my original, where I was going with this in the beginning of this commentary. Uh, in a really weird way, a lot of movies, my original statement was that a lot of movies will tell you what they mean to say right in the beginning. And they sort of prepare you to watch the movie that they, they set out to make. And then we always talk about a perfect movie as being something that nails all the, like it just goes down the checklist and hits up every single note that it said it was going to give you in spades. This movie doesn't tell you what it's going to be. But in a really weird way, and I don't know if it's the fact that I watched listening to you guys talk about it and, and asking you questions and figuring out not only things about you know the nature of war and all those have you know heavy ass things and just spending the entire time ogling Brian's amazing hair, the, the size of, this weird little side of me learned how to enjoy this movie over the course of this commentary, and I don't want to that that's a that's a personal thing for me. That wasn't what I was. I'm not trying to communicate to you. The audience that you should have come away with this, now knowing how to how to enjoy or at least understand and equip yourself for a movie that you wouldn't otherwise like. But for me I kinda now can understand the nature of,
2: of movies like this. But don't take my word for it. But don't take my <laughs> word for it,
1: <laughs> read a book.
2: Right. <laughs> never, never seen Reading Rainbow once in my life, but I know I, I know I, that
0: tagline. I well firstly that's how I knew LeVar Burton when I started watching Starship. I'm like, oh it's the Reading it's Rainbow. It's the Reading Rainbow Guy.
2: Rainbow guy. It's the it's the guy from Roots, um, yeah. It's, it's if only Wild Wild West did this for you. Yeah, it's. Like I guess I I, oh, I
1: really understand the nature of cinema.
2: There is some there is something to be said for telling a a crackling good yarn like a like a good movie does, but uh, I, th- I think it's good to 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 not <laughs> every so often just kind to go. Well, here is a movie that doesn't do that, but it does other things, and yeah. let's see if you like it. And, and it's I, okay and again I keep saying it's okay yeah. to not to you are it, entitled to not like the hell out of the yeah that I movie. was
1: but I, I do feel like I've, I've gained about an inch and a half more understanding of the way film can work in course of this commentary so I've I have had it.
2: and I've had arguments with people who are like Eyes Wide Shot is the greatest movie you, know, you, you did any it great it's like I, I I didn't like it I didn't care for it I didn't like it. it did nothing for me and I was like yeah. justify why is it so great and then you know the answer well, it's was Kubrick the answer was because it was Kubrick and it was his last movie yeah, yeah, yeah. well you know you know he was old and tired and. There's a, good. there's a couple cool things in that movie. There's there are. There are there, are there are scenes in that, that movie that and it's wide great. shot that are fascinating, but I don't necessarily like that movie. It's another one of those dreamlike, what was that all about movies. And that's the kind of movie he certainly toward the end of his you know, the last thirty years, the three the three films he made in thirty right. years. No kidding. You know, he was trending more and more to that. You know, and and that's okay. I mean people have said that, that Kubrick's films are are, are Works of art like paintings are works of art. It you was know, like this, not a storytelling work of art, like an impressionist. Even, even you know, paintings, like even something.
3: paintings tell stories. Well, and so like, does and this. But until, they, you, know, you they don't, modern, they don't
2: like say for there was this guy. Once upon a time, there was a guy. Um, sometimes they're just a that thing. was the
1: original title card for Star Wars. A haiku you know, like,
2: can
0: tell a story. It doesn't necessarily mean it's it's like uh, the single most efficient way of telling a story. But you can maybe there uh, different media allow you different ways of conveying a story. And sometimes the same story in different media will be completely different. And you know, a war movie in a Kubrick-like dream state that he puts you in is just a, a different way. And some dreams you're going to really love and some dreams you're not going to love. And that's kind of
2: what Kubrick does. That's Kubrick. later we get to the Eyes Wide Shut commentary because that's Are like... Are we even going to Bother with a? No, like, okay. I know we're not. Well, but clock right, or no, that's
0: not funny, man. <laughs> no, still, but, still still there's trees, like, but there's naked no solutions. But there's people There's tits right. in that
2: one, though. There's
0: lots of naked tits. I give you this, but uh, sometimes yeah, no. it's not worth it. we no. watch Titanic. And there you go. There okay, we fair we got, enough. Right?
1: And until next time, thank you very much for listening to Down in Front. You can find more of these commentaries at downinfront.net or follow so us at more. twitter.com/downinfront. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe. Get a new commentary every single week. From myself, Tim Christie, Brian Finitor,
2: Trey Stokes, Eddie Doty.
1: Thank you very much for listening, and i like to thank you for coming. Good night, good night, good night, good night, good night, good night, good night.
2: What is your major malfunction?
3: <laughs> well, my prostate's acting up a little bit.
1: Friendsinyourhead.com.